Howard from the Panoma Squad Studios on the Black Stage in Indian Trail, North Carolina, and broadcasting from down under outside Brisbane in Australia. It's episode 112 of the Primetime Jukebox. Tonight, we talk about albums that grew on us over time. And this episode of the Primetime Jukebox is sponsored by Perdomo Cigars. Awarded Nicaraguan Cigar of the Year in 2014 by Cigar Journal, the Perdomo 20th anniversary brand has consistently earned the highest scores in the industry and is a top seller in humidors around the world. The Perdomo 20th anniversary blend requires tobacco that have been carefully hand-selected and are well-aged for a minimum of eight years. The Perdomo 20th anniversary is offered in three distinct wrappers, a smooth, creamy Ecuadorian Connecticut, a rich earthy Cuban seed Nicaraguan sun-grown, and a dark, oily Cuban seed Nicaraguan Maduro. Combine these beautifully bourbon barrel-aged wrappers with thick, high-priming binder and filler tobaccos gives each blend a balanced complexity with layers of rich flavors and smooth, elegant aromas. Perdomo Cigars is a family-owned and operated company headquartered in Miami, Florida, with manufacturing agricultural facilities in Esteli, Nicaragua. Perdomo's highly acclaimed cigar brands include the Perdomo Double-Aged 12-Year Vintage, Perdomo 20th Anniversary, Perdomo Reserve 10th Anniversary Line, Perdomo Abano Bourbon Barrel-Aged, Perdomo Lot 23, Perdomo Minso 70, and many more. For great tasting notes and pairing information, check out the Perdomo website at www.perdomocigars.com. And we want to mention JRE Tobacco. The authentic Corojo Leaf is one of the most robust and flavorful tobacco leaves out there. During the golden age of cigars in Cuba, it's a leaf of choice to make some of the world's greatest cigars. Because it is one of the most challenging ones to cultivate, it fell out of favor by the 1990s. In the Hamastron Valley in Honduras, Julio A. Aroa took on the challenge of growing Corojo from the original seeds. And in 2000, he successfully reintroduced authentic Corojo back to the market. With over 50 years' experience in the tobacco business from growing and curing tobacco to cigar production, the JRE Tobacco Farm has been able to continue to deliver products to market with authentic Corojo. Now with JRE Tobacco, Huynes and Huso brought their very own brand to market and each contain the authentic Corojo leaf. Aladino is available in a wide variety of blends, including the latest release, the Aladino Sumatra. And each represent that golden age of cigars from 1947 to 1961. They're available at your local retailer. Be sure to ask for JRE Tobacco, a legacy that is tasted in every drawer. And, of course, we want to mention uh, Tobacco Air USA. Makers of iconic brands such as Monte Cristo, Romeo Julieta, H. Upman, and Aging Room Cigars. Tobacco Air USA, great things are happening here. And, finally, by Drew Estate. Dark, bold, and unapologetic. Black and Cigars MD1 by Drew Estate is an intense journey into the uncharted, deepest, and darkest, and heaviest steps of Maduro tobacco. This is a masterpiece collaboration between Metallica's James Hetfield, Sweet Amber Distilling's Rob Dietrich, and Drew Estate's Jonathan Drew. The All Maduro Black and Cigars MD1 by Drew Estate is rich and powerful, but beautifully balanced, offering tantalizing notes of leather, chocolate, and espresso. That's perfect for both life celebration and time of reflection. And remember, you can find them at your Drew Diplomat retailer. And as always, all the live streaming for the Primetime Network shows, as well as the California studios for the Primetime show, sponsored exclusively by Drew Estate. Well, welcome, everybody. This is Primetime Jukebox episode 112. This is a late October edition, just on the eve of Halloween. Uh, this is Will Cooper. I am in the Perdomo Cigar Studios, uh, and I'm joined uh, uh, down under in Australia. On the other side of the world, my good friend, Mr. Dave Burke. Hello, Coop. Uh, great to see you. Great to see you in uh, good spirits after such a devastating 
game six and seven for you in the mighty Phillies? Uh, you know, yeah, like I was telling you in the green room, uh, it, I have mixed feelings. There's anger. I have anger at the manager. Don't get me wrong. I have anger at my, you know, these players are not producing. Um, at the same time, if you asked me at the beginning of 2022, hey, you could sign up and get to a World Series, two NLCSs, and one of those NLCSs would be a Game 7, I'd sign up in a heartbeat, uh, it, you know. So, um, you know, this ain't like the New York Giants in football, which have just... You know, I don't think ownership care. I don't think they care. Mm. Um, I think these guys do care. I think these guys are, are, are probably much more disappointed than we are. Um, and yeah. uh, it's it's unf- yeah, I, I you know it's 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 uh, you know yeah you have to give credit to Arizona. They beat us. They they beat us in every facet mm. of the game. You know, base running, defense, hitting, starting pitching, um, bullpen. They be- managing. They they beat us in every facet of the game. So, um, you know, there's 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 a lot of looking in the mirror that has to go with that Phillies team. Um, the team, you know, mm. but but they but they were beaten in this series. It wasn't stolen from them. It wasn't like one guy's fault. It, it was a mess. Yeah, but I'm happy with the season. Uh, don't get me. Wrong. I thought they were weren't going to make the playoffs in April. So, oh yeah, well, that's good. It's a good run, and they still, you know, got a bit of talent. Make another run. Yeah, I think they got to make some adjustments. Uh, I think you know, I think I was mentioning uh, Aaron Nola. We got to decide what they're going to do with him. Uh, same with Reese Hoskins. Um, I think they need Reese Hoskins back badly. Um, you know, I think they desperately need to resign him uh, as long as he's healthy. Uh, I don't think there'll be anything happening with the manager, and they got to build up this bench. They don't have enough bench players, so mm. part of why the manager didn't make a lot of substitutions, he didn't have a lot of choices to go to. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, I mean, my Brewers were banged out pretty early, so I had nothing. They, I, were, they, 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 I mean, no one thought Arizona was going to beat them, by the way. No. Uh, no. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, and I always like, you know, the Brewers have kind of always been my second favorite team out there. Um, I would have loved to see us play, uh, in a deep series. So, um, it wasn't meant to be. Um, mm. So, you know, it, 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 it could be worse. I mean, like, no, I love Hector, but look at his Mets. How I mean, you want to talk about a collapse. That's a collapse. That was a team that everyone thought was going to the World oh. Series this year. They won 100 Speak- games last year. Yeah. Speaking of his Mets, I was uh, listening to I listened to the Mike Greenberg podcast on um, mm-hmm. ESPN. And they replayed the Vince Scully call of. Uh, the hit that went through, uh, Buckner. Yeah. In Game Six. Oh, the call Buckner, is so good. Buckner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I oh, mean, iconic. Right through him. You know, there's that call. Uh, and the obviously the Kirk Gibson call. Um, I believe he was involved with that on the radio because it was a national mm. game. I don't think he was doing the national. Maybe he was. I don't remember. But Vince Scully is a call on that. Vince Scully is. Uh, you know, he is just. He was. He was one of the best to ever do it. I mean, really. Yeah, it was pretty. No, I was, I was. Uh, so it's very pleasant Mets moment. Um. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's funny. I don't hate the Mets or anything except when they play the Phillies. <laughs> so. You know. Um, oh. But I, feel, but I feel bad for Hector this year. We were just talking, Coop and I, about. Well, that- 
um, about we were just talking about like, did anyone ever have a negative run differential? Yeah, yeah, and win the World Series because Arizona has a negative run differential. It was like the one eighty four games or whatever. And I thought there was one, and I looked it up, and there's actually two. Wait, let me see if I can guess them. Is the Twins there's one? There's one. Is the Twins one of them? Yes. Do you know okay. which Twins one? Um, I'm going to say twins 87. The one. 87. Yes. Okay. Coop yeah. has got it right. The 87 Twins are the one team. Now, if people remember correctly, I believe that was the year where in the World Series, I think, I think the Twins won the World Series, but they won they like um they won the away games or something yeah. like their home season their their record at home during the season was just like horrifically bad. Wow. Um. So yeah, the Twins, eighty-seven Twins, was is the only team. And the to win o- was the, the other series. one the Cardinals. Well, they didn't. No, the other one I looked, they didn't win, but they went. Oh, I think they won. It was the Royals. 84 or 85. Remember 80. when the Royals won? No, the Royals, like 84. The Royals went. They lost to the Phillies in 80. Yeah. They, they beat went 84. the Cardinals in 85. Then they lost to the Giants in 14 and beat the Mets in 15. Yeah. It was the 80. It wasn't the 81 one. It was like the 84, 85. Okay. Yeah, that Royals team was kind of. Um, they went to the when they won it, they had they a record of it. They because the Royals were great in the late seventies, and that was kind of the that aging Royals team that finally got over the hump in in eighty five. Yeah, I think they won like eighty four, eighty seven games or something that year. Yeah. I mean, when the Twins won, so the Twins won in eighty seven, ninety one, and when the Twins won eighty seven, they're only like eighty five games. It's like eighty five and seventy seven or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, uh, I remember that one year. Yeah, they just didn't have like they didn't have really great pitching, and then they got like they got like that dome was such a big home yes. field advantage for them at the time. Ninety one, I think it was ninety one that had the best call. That was when, yeah, when Kirby Puckett hit the walk off to bring it to a game seven. And the call with the, the see you tomorrow night. That was a great call. Yeah. I, I, mean, I, call. I think that series was the best World Series of my lifetime. Uh, well, that was seven, a 10-inning one. Yeah, it was a 10-inning, seventh game. Jack Morris pitches a complete game. Um, You know, that was just a great series. I mean, um, you know, you want to say Cleveland and the Cubs was probably the other best one I've seen. Mm. R- really good one as well, and then you know the Brewers Cardinals in '82 was a great World Series. I don't know how much you remember yeah. that, but I remember that series well. We were, we were, we we had we had Brewers fever. It was Harvey's because we that's like mountain. Yeah, yeah. Harvey's wall bangers. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Garmin Thomas and Cecil mm-hmm. Cooper and Saw. yeah, Robin Yount, yeah, Robin Yount was on that as well. Was Paul Molitor on there then? Maybe possibly because then he went because he played for the Blue Jays and the yeah, but I, I'm not sure if he was on well. that. That's a good question. I think he might have came a little later. Rob Piccolo, oh. yeah. Um, oh, Cecil Cooper was my favorite player. See, if people are wondering why I can talk well about 80s and 90s baseball, it's like the last time I followed baseball, yeah. Oh, wow, okay, pretty, pretty much. I'm very 
I he am was, very yeah, uh, Molitor was on that team. Yeah, good nice. job. And I forgot. Yeah, he was. He had a big year. That was the year he had uh, three or two. Well, if you li- if you listen to that, if you look at that lineup, you have like you said, Cesa Cooper, Robin Yount, who's three thousand hits. You got yeah. Paul Molitor. Yeah, it's uh, great, great uh, lineup. Rob Deere, maybe, or is he like kind of later? Uh, Rob Deere was he on that one? Good question. Rob uh, Deere's a he was your classic. I'll either hit it five hundred feet or I'll strike out. You had guys you had on that team. Um, Robin Yount, uh, Cecil Cooper, <sighs> Ted Simmons, Jim yep. Gettner, Ben Ogilvy. Ben Ogilvy was a Ben Ogilvy was a good player. Yeah, uh, Gorman. Raleigh Tom. Fingers was probably on that team. Uh, Raleigh Fingers was on that team uh, as well. Um, yeah, he was on that team. Pete Vukovic, Moose Haas. Oh, Moose Haas. <laughs> Moose Haas, yeah. Don Sutton was on that team. Don Sutton, he was a good player. Don Sutton was a good player. He was a big part of that team, yeah. Um, Don Sutton won, but I think they used Don Sutton in relief that year. Yeah, he was using, because mm. Caldwell and Vukovic and Haas were the three big guns on that team. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But, uh, Vukovic. Yeah. But, this is during the days where your local police department, right? I don't know if they did this like everywhere, but I guess it was to try and, you know, build right. relationships with kids in the community. They would have their own baseball cards. So the oh, Milwaukee wow. po- the Milwaukee police had their own baseball cards of the Brewers. Yeah. And like you could go to the station or you could go like when they were at festivals or whatever and you could get like a team set of the Milwaukee Brewers, like police baseball cards during that time. Yeah. Um, oh, anyway, love to reminisce about the 82 Brewers. I remember one year they went like, they started the season like 13 and 0, and everybody got free hamburgers at George Webb's in Milwaukee, and it was great. Oh, wow. Uh but yeah, I mean but no, so it's it's um it's tough it's tough Dave Coop, all, although it sets up for a historical World Series in a way, because the Diamondbacks can make history by being one of the few teams with a negative point differential to win the World Series if they do it. Yeah. Um It would be interesting, yeah. I mean, um it you know, obviously Texas has not won a World Series. No. It's uh, they have a legitimate shot, uh, for sure. I mean, the networks are screaming. This is not networks a good... aren't that happy. Well, no. and here's the thing: what's funny is these are two big TV markets, but they're not two big baseball. They don't have a national fan. Base. They're not ba- big baseball markets. Yeah, no. they're not I mean, national. Texas, maybe the yeah. Phillies have some national pull. Yes, and, yes, yes. And the Astros, um, they've built that somewhat of a national pull. So and everyone hates the Astros. So, so the baseball can't be happy about this right now. No, because if the Astros were in it, they'd hate watch it to see if they lose. But um, yeah, exactly. But uh, I, uh, I mean, I'm a case in point. I am a very casual baseball fan. But if the Phillies were in it, I would record the games, watch them. Yep. I mean, it's but a, you know they're, yeah, fun, they're was, a fun team to watch. You know. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then too, like we'll get off baseball corner in a second. But I right. read that uh, Dusty Dusty Baker retired. 
Did he retire or is he about to? Um, it sounded like he is going to retire. I, I hadn't heard if it became official yet. It's like I'm done. That's it. He, oh, okay. Dave, this is breaking news. He has retired. Um, yep. I mean, he has retired. So, uh, good. I mean, Barrett is not a big Dusty Baker fan, but the guy, how can you, I mean, the, the job he did, like, really, he had to clean up that whole Astros culture, and he did a good job. Well, the, yeah. I mean, that was just, that was, that was what his responsibility was, wasn't it? They brought him in, clean it up, and then get us back to being competitive, which he did. So he's like, yep, done. I mean, I yep. wonder. I wonder if he could be tempted out of. Did he retire before? No, he was kind of out because he got fired from the Nationals, and he, you know, people thought he was old, right? So right. Um, it, look at the Phillies want Dusty. I mean, Ooh, I'll, ta- I'll take, take him. It. I'll hey. take him. I could. I. I, I don't know because of his age. I don't know how much he'll be tempted out because they tried to do know. it. You know, he's 73, 74. When Larusa came out, like seventy-seven, it wasn't a good idea. That was not. That did not go well. Yeah. Um. So. But yeah. Yeah. Good work, Dusty. How would you like to be? How would you like to be? Think about Bruce Bochy for a second, who's in the World Series of the Rangers. This guy was kicked mm. to the curb for Gabe Kapler. <laughs> he was. <laughs> oh. There, there, there. That just, yeah. Doesn't he like just always go to the World Series though? Like, doesn't he have? Hasn't he been there with like other teams or something? Bochy's this is the first guy to get three teams to the World Series. Yeah, how could he be? That's crazy that he got the Padres. He was, yeah. Oh, excuse me. It's crazy how I don't know. I mean, it's it's, it's I want and this is a discussion that maybe you and uh, Bear can have because you're big baseball on your baseball panel. It seems the more and more. People and by people, front offices and stuff focus on analytics coop. The less, the the more and more diminished the manager's role it, seems to be. It totally is. It totally is. You're and, and it's. I so you can have it, these great managers floating around because people are like, oh well, you know, we just do what the analytics say anyway. So the manager gets totally devalued. So you have these great managers that. People don't pick up because front offices don't really value the manager. They value their analytics department. And it doesn't. Or it doesn't work. It's proven it doesn't work. You know when you yeah. go extreme with it. I think there's an. I think analytics has an input into the system. Yeah. Um, you know one thing about like Rob Thompson with the Phillies. You you can't. The way he stuck with his lineup, you you can't say he was putting analytics in there. Okay, you could probably say the yeah. opposite. So. Um, but Kapler was a big analytics guy. Um, you know, Dusty's not a big analytics. But the big thing with the Yankees, the Yankees get killed because they've gone too too much with analytics right now. Mm. But yeah, just in some front offices, it seems that they get a feeling put anyone in it, manager, it doesn't matter. We just give them the data and they just do what we say. And yeah, no, it's true. It's true. So I wonder if the if the if the role of a manager is being very. Like say in in football, the role of a coach, even where there is analytics, I would say the role of a coach is is never hasn't been you know has never been higher really. Yeah, like the role of a coach is big time. Like the the heat they get and the moves and yep, you know, coaching trees and get this guy and get that. Like the like coaches are very valued in football, but it just seems that managers the 
are getting more devalued over time. It, it's a shame. It really is a shame. Um, it's a shame. I that's why I love these old school guys. I mean, it's sort of like basketball. Coaches in basketball are sort of getting devalued. Like you have your big ones that everyone loves, but it's so start driven that people are like, oh, with the Lakers, for example, it's like just put in anybody. Like who cares? Or like the Bucks. It's like Giannis likes this guy. He's never coached before. Whatever, put him in. <laughs> like there's no like the, the like the idea that like the player, the star players have far more value than the coach. So like with some teams, it's like just put in anybody. Like, yeah. You know, put in a fan. Like it doesn't. You know, whereas football, it still seems that like players start like quarterbacks are valued, but like you look at the Shanahan's and stuff. Like coaches are still really highly. Highly valued, more so than other sports, I think. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree with you on that. Anyway, that's ESPN Corner. There you go. Sorry that's for all that. I don't get to talk much sports with people. No, no, it's good. You know, obviously, you know, uh, commiserate over baseball. It was, you know, it's a, it's a big, you know, I still love baseball. So, yeah. And know. Coop, you know, I know you love your guy, James Harden, and the 76ers, but, um, <laughs> The the NBA season has started. Yes. <laughs> so so the people that know we did a we did an NBA show. Yep. <laughs> so we can start. I, I think I'm doing okay in our NFL show. I'm doing okay. But we can start to, you know, track how we're doing in our NBA show with our over unders and stuff. Yeah, no, I I will definitely be doing that throughout out the season for sure. Um I, like I said, I'm really just because I'm, I'm just so disgusted with the Sixers situation right now. <laughs> uh, but uh, but you it's know, so I, I will say this: uh, uh, the Phoenix Suns won their first games. So. They did, <laughs> and that was my pick. But so did the Denver Nuggets. So they uh, did. Um, Denver crushed uh, the Lakers. Yes, I mean the score. I haven't watched the game. The score probably looks better than the game was. Yeah, but um. Yeah, I, I mean Lakers are too old. Anyway, yeah. Um, my uh, my Packers going to the playoffs pick does not look that good. <laughs> it's not looking uh, good. Right I, now. I didn't like that pick either. Yeah, look, and I'm going to tell you, Lafleur has really been blowing it. I mean, I know, I know, I I got go a little overboard with these coaches, but he, I mean, there's decision making happening in these games, and look. He's gonna. I, I I'll give him a pass on Jordan Love, right? I understand you got a new quarterback, but there's game time decisions he's making that just scratch your head. I mean, that's that's. Do you think Coop? Uh huh. And then we'll. I swear we'll get off of sports eventually <laughs> okay. for the actual show. No, it's good. Do, do you think that Lafleur, who had Aaron Rodgers, he's like, oh, we can run this, we can run that, because he has a highly skilled quarterback that could pretty much make anything work, right? Like, even if a play isn't going to work, like, he's not going to turn it into a disaster. Like, do you think his play calling and his offense he wants to run just doesn't, just is too much for love at his current development? And he hasn't, it's just he hasn't paired it back enough or he's, it's not a good mix or. You know, I thought game one, he had a good game. I thought he designed a good game for Jordan Love. But I think mm. it something's happened. Yeah, I think you're right on that. Maybe it's gotten more. They tried to make it more complicated or whatever. Because I, I haven't seen that same result. Man, so, that ball love through at, at at that Broncos game was a killer. You need yeah. three points, Jordan. Three. 
I mean, like I you said, you got a the, minute forty. I, I said it to Matt Todd. It. You you blew the lead. Oh, and, and you blew a chance to come back. Okay, that pass. A minute forty. You only got to go like thirty yards, right? Basic play call, exactly. Yeah. And he just launches this ball. Yeah. To the ten, double coverage. Yeah. Like, oh my god. Yep. Yep. Exactly. I don't know if that was a bad read, and he didn't see the guy underneath, and because he looked like he, it looked like he underthrew it to give the receiver a chance to get it. Yeah. But what it made for was a really easy interception. Yeah. So I don't know if he just didn't see that guy or what, but he, you you only need three and you go for all of it. Yeah, I was like, oh, that was that was a killer. Yeah. Um, you know, I know again we're gonna get off of this. <laughs> this so like these two weeks in sports in the U.S. are unique. It's the only time of the year where all four sports are in play. Yes, yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah. So you have baseball, football, ba- basketball, and hockey. So it's it's a it's a short window till the World Series ends. But uh, you know, hockey actually started a couple weeks ago. Um, and I can tell you what, the Flyers got off to a uh, a a good start. But but the problem is, everyone else in the division got off to a better start. <laughs> <laughs> Oops! Like 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 the Flyers are three two and one, right? And yeah. they are in second to last place because, like, you have Boston undefeated. Detroit's playing good. The Rangers are playing good. Tampa, like, mm-hmm. it's, it's crazy. Uh, so it's That's uh, like, it, yeah. Oh, I was just gonna say, shout out to Matt Ty. That's like, this is like our beloved Minnesota Wild because in, in Wisconsin it was the Admirals. But we never had a like a NHL right. team, just a, I'm, a minor I'm league. I'm shocked team. Milwaukee never had an, an NHL team. No, just minor league, just the yeah, the, the yeah. Admirals, which I loved. Yeah, um, yeah. But anyway, so I went for the Wild, but like the Wild this year is just crazy. It's like they'll win some game like five to one, and then they'll lose the next game like eleven to four. <laughs> yeah, it's nuts. Yeah, it's like exactly. all over the place. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So I don't know what to make of them. Yeah, at all. I, I will tell you, there's there's probably a witch hunt right now in in Edmonton. If they don't, that, if you want to talk about coach who's dead man walking, if they don't get like they are second to last in their division, if they don't get it together with that yeah. with that firepower, it, it this coach is gone. Mm. I'm just telling you right now. Yeah. So they. Oh yeah, people, I can say a lot of people had them favored with Colorado to go to the cup this year. So. And that's the thing. Like, hockey's not afraid to fire their managers, like, any time during the season. No, no, they're not. They they're will hand them. They're not. And they're not afraid to, like, change the coaching staff in the middle of the season. No, either. it is crazy. Like, football, you don't see that a lot. Baseball, no. maybe they switch one guy around. You know, but, yeah. the hockey I mean, football, th- you might see a coach get fired, like, you got two games left or something. Right. Like, hockey would be midseason. It would be like, sorry, you're gone. Yeah, they don't or play like because they eight see games a, into the season or something. Because there's a long playoff run. It's like, man, that is rough. Um, all right, so fine, we're finally done with ESPN corner. That's it, everybody. Yeah, apologize for that. Thank you for letting me talk sports with uh, Coop. Yeah. Um. Uh, so let's get into stuff. Yep, we got a lot of stuff. Let's get into up. it. Let's go. We got some music news. I've added some music news to my notes as well. Okay, I, and I added one thing. I think you saw the thing I put in there. Oh, yeah. So I'll just start off with a big with, well, my music news. So and I wrote a review on the site, CigarJukebox.com. You can email me at, at cigar, uh, CigarJukebox at gmail.com. And I went to the Chicks concert, Coop. 
Here in Brisbane. Yes, yes. Uh, that's right. You did. Wrote a review. Now that now the chicks have toured a lot more in the states, obviously, than they have here. Um, so the last time they were here was about seven years ago in Brisbane, and then the and then before that concert, there was a ten year gap. You know, and they'd only play like one show usually or something. So. For a lot of people, so this time when they came, they actually added shows, and they've done, like, three shows in Brisbane. Mm-hmm. They added two extra. So for a lot of people, it was the first time in the last 17 years they've gotten a, a real good chance to see them because there's been enough shows and enough tickets and and that sort of thing. Um, so it was a very hyped show here. The, like, it was, people were very excited. All of, the sh- all of their shows have sold out. Um. And it was great. It was amazing. Two and a half hours they played Coop. That's pretty good. Um, you're not oh. going. You're not. You're not leaving a chicks fan and saying like, "Oh, they didn't play that song I liked." I think they played like every song they've ever recorded. So they played like everything. Wow. Okay. So a couple questions. Uh, is that the first time that they've come through your area? Or have they been through before? They were. They were through Brisbane before, in seven years ago. Okay. But the problem was, it was, it was the same venue, but it was like one show. Mm-hmm. Whereas they'll play like three shows in Sydney, right? Four shows in, you know, three shows in Melbourne. Right. But Brisbane usually gets one. Yeah. So the problem is, is they play the one show, it sells out in ten minutes, and like people don't get to see them. So this is the first time that people really got to see them here. Um, Brisbane usually gets the short end of the stick when it comes to shows like that. <laughs> I can understand that. You know, that's, uh, you know, a lot of that's like same with uh, New York as well. You know, like they get all the big shows and then Charlotte does. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, highlight uh, that one song of the night that stole the show. Oh, I so I got to do because it's it's their mate. Their fans are because it's, it's a crazy. It's a very interesting fan. Base because they've changed a lot since their early stuff. So the the crowd was like this mix of really hardcore country people, uh huh, like the hats and the boots and everything, right. And there's this other segment of the crowd that's main, and I like country, but it's mainly me that are more into their like gaslighter and like their more recent, I guess, yeah, fusion of pop and country. Um, so. I guess highlight songs. Um, they did uh, Juliana Calm Down, which is my favorite off their new. And they did their last song was uh, Goodbye Earl. Uh huh. So the whole, because that's the song everyone loves. So like everyone got up and sang and danced to it. And it was great. So during the show, right, they had these video screens, Coop. And they would flash these messages on the screen that are like, Earl is useless. <laughs> Earl's a useless drunk, like stuff like that. And the crowd would go crazy. Right. And so they, they hyped the song for like at least 45 minutes before they played it. So when they played it, everyone just went nuts. Um, they did a Dolly Parton cover uh, of a song she did with Miley Cyrus called Rainbow Land, which I've never heard of. Yeah, um, I saw that, so that your, was... I saw it in your write up too, yep. Um but no, so I would say for I guess for me, Juliana calm down, 
They did landslide coup, but we've had our discussion about landslide. Yeah, but it wasn't it wasn't the chick's fault like that that Rolling Stone put it so high on the list. Oh, it was so good. Yeah. Like her like Natalie's voice is so good. So excellent show. The band is very tight. Like they look like they've never missed a day. Yep. Um so if you get a chance I think this is near the end of their tour, unfortunately. Um, but if you get a chance to see them, if they're if they're playing around, go see them. It was an excellent show. How big was the venue? How's a big venue they play? It was an arena, so it was like you know thirteen thousand or something. Okay, so it's not like you know. I think you can get a good show at an arena. Like the stadium so ones the are always intermittent. Yeah, I mean the problem with Brisbane Coop, unlike Melbourne and and uh, Sydney, is we have a really good uh, we have a really good stadium. That like Taylor Swift and stuff will go to. Right. But we don't have, and we have really good like small venues. Like, you know, you're looking at, f- you know, four or 5,000 or whatever. But we don't have good arenas. Like, even the arena here, the acoustics aren't great. Right. So we have really outdated arenas. So a lot of these shows that are like, well, we can't fill a stadium, but we're way too big for like a 5,000 person venue they don't come here because we don't have good venues that are like in between so that's sort of the problem got it yeah charlotte's has a similar problem they built when they built the arena for the bobcats it was too Mm -hmm. damn small like they didn't build enough seating in it so it hurt us like getting you know it hurt us getting like final fours and things like that yeah yeah i imagine with the olympics you're gonna get an upgrade though Yes. Yeah, see, that's my wife and I were talking about that. We're yeah. like, hopefully, we'll get a better arena so we get more shows here. So, like for example, like like even stadium wise, like Taylor Swift isn't even coming to Brisbane. Like we have to yeah. fly to Sydney to see her. Like she's not even coming. Oh yeah, that's uh, a yeah, that's that's uh, that's a flight for you guys. That's not a drive, right? It's like eight. eight no, that's eight, a flight. Because if you drove, it's like ten hours, something like that, right? Oh, it's it'd be like driving to yeah, it'd be like ten hours, ten twelve hours. Yeah. Yep. Yep. We're flying. All right, there you go. But it's the Ares Tour Coop. You got to make it happen. Right. right. Um, one last thing before we get to here, so you can look at the chicks review on the on the website next week. I'll have a review of the uh, Paul McCartney show, which I'll be going to. Oh wow! Which I'm very excited for. Um, yeah, lots uh, of good uh, music coming through Australia. Yeah, I'm gonna have years. a lot to talk to you about the Paul McCartney. But I have seen Paul, um, not just in concert. Yeah, I I've, I've watched a lot of his tour stuff too. Um, so I want the the big thing is I want you to tell me what you think of the Hey Jude is when that comes. I think I was telling you that. Can't wait. So if you um, haven't seen it, don't 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 spoil it. No, I haven't. I haven't seen okay. it. I won't spoil it. I'm not gonna say another word, uh, but I think you're gonna have a lot to say about it. Oh, can't wait. Yeah. Um. So speaking of. You know, now that Taylor Swift is out with her Eras movie, concert movies are back to being the rage. Coop and I talked about how we, you know, some there's some concert movies out before, like you know, U2's Rattle and Hum, right. uh, which is sort of a concert slash band movie. Um, but one of the best concert movies, and probably what regarded as one of the best live shows of all time, is being re-released. Coop, and that stopped making sense by the Talking Heads. Oh wow, I didn't know that. Wow. Is coming out in theaters again in November. Oh wow! So, so A twenty four has uh, is going to re-release it. It's like four K or something, 
right. in you know in theaters in November. Um, like I said, it's regarded as one of the best live concerts of all time. Um, it is two shows in L.A. I think make up the the movie. Um, so yeah, it's it's iconic. I think it's its fortieth year anniversary or something. Um, so if you get a chance, check out your local theater, see if they're playing it. Um, and check it out. Yeah, stop making sense. Getting a re-release. Wow. And I'm gonna go see it because it's amazing. The album's yeah. incredible. That I so, I've not I've not seen it either. So I'm like I looking forward to that. I have not seen that at all. I think it's I think it was part of their speaking in tongues tour. I think it was in like '84. So it's kind of when the band was sort of at their peak. Um, and like I said, like these shows specifically in LA are regarded as some of the best live concerts like ever. Yep. So it'd be good. To, it's good to check that out if you haven't seen that. And then Coop's got another documentary on here. Yeah. So if you are watching this show live, the or when we air it, um, the um, there is going to be a uh, a PBS a PBS special. Um, and that is, um, hang on one second. <laughs> my wife just kind of, I don't know what she was doing. <laughs> she's just, okay, I just stopped it for a second. <laughs> she's coming like right in front of the camera, but she had nothing to tell me. So. All right. So, uh, PBS documentary, uh, it's called the, it's, if you're watching this live, it's, it's actually premiering tonight. It is part of the American experience uh... culture series. It's called the war on disco. Um, mm. so I will tell you, I, like, mm. I will be watching this, um, for sure. Uh, I like the PBS documentaries, um, and it's going to basically talk about the, the, uh, the downfall of disco. Um, you know, I, I watched some of the trailers, Dave, and mm. I feel like when I was talking disco with you, I represented this really well, because they're going to mm. talk about how disco is, was very, very inclusive, uh, to the minorities, to mm. women and to the mm. LGBTQ community, mm. so mm. I am in it, it, it. So I'm really looking forward to this. The trailer was amazing. I, I just when I'm watching a trailer, I'm like, I hope they play these songs in there. Um. So, but I, I, it, you know, I'm really happy. I don't think anyone's really documented this part of the disco experience to this level. So I'm looking forward mm. to this uh, premiering, which is actually, like I said, right as this is airing, it's gonna, it's gonna premiere in uh, on the East Coast. So. Uh, we will put some links out there, so hopefully you can watch it. Um, you, I think as long as you have a PBS access, you can you can get it. So I don't know if you'll be able to watch it, Dave. That'll be a good question. I was just thinking that I'll check I'll check their website later. Yeah. Um, see if I can get it. I mean, sometimes some of these things they run here, like in regional deals, they might run it on different channels here. Um, so I'll 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 have a check. I, should, I might be able to. Yeah. If not, yeah. I have I have ways. Yeah. Um, uh, like I said, I think this is going to be a really good special, and I I uh, I'm going to have a report on it when we come back for the next show. Um, I I will be what? Yeah. So I'm definitely going to be watching this. Um, I'm very well. They do really good music documentaries. They did one for the 50th anniversary of hip hop that was well regarded. Yeah, so. they they have they have. Uh, you know, obviously the Ken Burns stuff is great as well. Mm. Uh, the the one I watched most recently that it was that Muhammad Ali one they did. 
Mm. Uh, there was never one done like this one at Manhattan and one uh, as well. Uh, but yeah, I've been, like I said, I've been really into, uh, like, like I said, I, you know, America experience is a pretty good series by PBS. Um, there's a whole, you know, there's a whole bunch of great historical things, uh, to mm. watch, to watch on it. Um, you know, just different topics that they have. So definitely worth checking out, uh, for sure. Um, nice. so, yep. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. That's, that's pretty much, um, the uh my music news for this week yeah it's kind of all the music news oh, really. oh i do have one more thing oh what's so, that in excess got back together for for the first time as a band uh together uh, not playing uh yeah. to celebrate four billion streams oh nice so i actually got a press release on this i don't know how they oh, got did you me. i'm actually gonna tweak it and put it on the website yeah i actually got the press release on this one uh, so, you. Like I had to get an in excess press release. I'm like, hey, but they found me and and they got they sent it. Uh, I'm serious. So I'll I'll put a kind of massage it. I saw it come in last night, so I had a chance nice. to put it out there. But but yeah, so um, it sounds like they're open to playing again, but we'll see what happens. They didn't play. It was more to just celebrate the milestone. Mm. So, but yeah, we'll have to see what happens with that. Mm. Um, you oh, know, four billion excesses. streams is four billion streams. Jeez. And we'll be talking. We'll be talking about NXS a little later, too. Pretty good. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of news, cigar news, coop. Let's get into it. Yeah. Um. Big story. If you're um. If you're in the if you're cigar media, uh, the PCA has dropped the dues that media were were required to pay to go to the trade show. Mm. So um now. This is where the problem was, Dave. And, and I wrote, and you can find this on Coop, right? So there were two things that were going on in play. First of all, people in the media were kind of like pissed off. Hey, hey, why are we paying? We're covering your show, right? Yeah, um, well, I can see that. Yeah. And I can see it, right? And, and I actually have always supported the PCA, so I didn't really have a problem with it, right? But there was a loophole. This is in P, this is not like something I'm making up. This, this is in their press release. The, uh, there was a loophole, okay? So what happened is if people didn't want to pay the dues, okay, you know what they mm. would do? They'd call up their manufacturer friends. Hey, give me a badge to get in. And they oh, get right. And they get a badge to get in, right? Man, that's that's a bit uh, here's what, here's what the irony underhanded. Is. They had more trade show floor access than media because manufacturers are allowed up on <laughs> setup day. They're allowed up two hours before the show starts. So That doesn't sound right. So a, a lot of us kind of brought this to the PCA's attention, like, and I, look, I even made a comment to the PC. I said, "Guys, uh, why don't I just call up this company and just get badges for my team next year?" Why? Why? I mean, and I'll give you guys a donation. Is what I basically said, right? I said because I can get more trade show. And then they realized they had a real problem with this. So it's and there's an article on Coop. I have some editorial thoughts on it. Um, I still think it was the right move. Um, but uh, yeah, they'll be removing those trade show things. They're gonna have to vet the media a lot better, though. That's gonna be a, I yeah. think a little challenge with that. Because so, that's the other thing too. It's the like, and I know it's a joke that gets thrown around, but it's like the bloggers or whatever that the damn bloggers. <laughs> yeah, we that's right. Yeah. Um. You know, Eric uh, Dojo and I. You know, we don't always agree on everything. We have a little bit of a disagreement on this one. Uh, in that Eric thinks they should have raised the fees for media to discourage people from coming because he uh, thinks there's too much media. Now I do agree. So it's like a much... gatekeeping thing. Yeah, but that's all you're gonna do is drive people to do what they were doing already, right? Which is get the badges yeah. for the manufacturers. So it's not. It wouldn't be effective anyway. It wouldn't have been effective. Just, yeah. I, but but you know, he was positive on. It. He understands. But I do agree with Eric. 
there is too much media at the trade show, and they have to vet. They're gonna have to vet this out. If they don't vet this out, this is gonna be a disaster. So, but they, I think they realize they have to vet this out. The PCA. Well, you media types, you just want to freeze the guys anyway. So yeah, exactly. You know. Oh, I I heard. I oh, you got <laughs> you had to see some of the comments on Half Wheels face. Oh, were they? Like that, were they? Like, oh, the media next they're gonna want their plane ticket uh, paid for. Uh they want oh, of course they want cigars and oh yeah. It, you know, now oh, they're whining about people, that. Like, 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 people yeah. fanning you, feeding you grapes, Coop. Yeah, I mean it's, unbelievable. You know, it's just yeah, it's, it never goes away. So uh oh, and, and and it was funny that I put that story out there, Dave. Okay, I, I knew it was gonna get some traffic. It was one of the biggest days of the year on Cigar Coop. Really? Yeah. Huh. People happen? love the PCA, though, man. They love that. For how much it's, people it, complain about that show, they love it. They absolutely love the drama, because it's, especially with the media, because this media drama has been oh, going yeah. on so long. Fake and, news, Coop. Yeah, they love it. They don't give <laughs> me wrong. They, they absolutely love it. So, so yeah, that's the big story in cigar news um, going right. on right now. Um, um, and then Lazona Palooza is next week, and probably yeah. I'll have a report on that. I was gonna say I saw some. Um, I think Matt Ty, and you maybe as well. There's yeah, some, we like pre pre Lazona. Yeah, yeah um, we mm-hmm. shows we did, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, they did Monday. We did Tuesday. Um, yeah. and uh, so yeah, we I actually was really proud of the show we did last night. Um, because mm. the second part of the interview, we got into a lot of like. Guy Fieri, but we got into it, and I normally don't like talking sales talk, but some of the unique things that Espinosa did to get that product to consumers and retailers, it's, mm. um, you know, and, and one thing I'll just say is a little spoiler, you know, a lot of times when a limit, like when a, not a, a sought after product comes out, what companies will do is they'll say, okay, you can have this product, but you got to buy X, Y, and Z, yeah, right, to get yeah. it. and yeah, Espinosa yeah. didn't do that, and everyone it's Espinosa like, was, yeah. In, yeah. Uh, Hector, Eric, and Jack were all in sync that we're not going to do that to people. And I give them a lot of credit for that. They really, they could have done it, and they didn't. Uh, they also, when you compare it to the black end, I mean, I know they're different cars, but they also had enough. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, like... uh, yeah, I mean, Drew Estate's bigger, but they have more, I get they have more retailers, but you have to have more cigars in. Uh, yeah. I think they've gotten that problem straightened out, but yeah, when it came out, they didn't have enough cigars. Yeah. So yeah. that was good. Yeah. Exactly. Um, any other big cigar news, Coop, before we No, um, I think that's pretty much it. You were called out. Well, not called out, name checked, I guess. Called out has a negative connotation. It wasn't negative. Uh the Valley Palette Review of the Week, the Monte 1935 anniversary edition Diamante number two. Who called me out? They called me out on I didn't see the video. Well, they June could... loved it, and he's like, I smoked the cigar. And he's like, he loves it. But he's like, this is also, th- I know this is a cigar Will Cooper's going to love. Coop's going to love this cigar. Um, I have smoked and it. He and I, do, this I do like it. I do like it. Yes. So he's right. So, yeah. So you were called out. Your name came yep. up in the. Yep. Yep. No. Um. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> no one else. No one else liked it, by the way. Oh, you know, I. I the... They killed it. They. they Except for June. They... June. June gave it like almost a seven, I think. I, I knew Aaron was going to kill it, right? That he wasn't a, that, killed yeah. it. Aaron, it's no, here's the thing it is a more expensive cigar. It's like but 20 bucks or something. 20 something bucks, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, they, I didn't watch the video, but I did see, I did see the, um, I should have watched it beforehand on this. But yeah, they were not kind to this at all. 
no. They uh they but that uh, June June brought up Will brought up uh Will Cooper in name. Yeah. That I could see Will Cooper liking this cigar. I did because in fact today I just reviewed um the aging room sonata. Yeah. Which they're kind of similar to Diamante and the Sonata in that um they're they're sequels, right? So the nineteen thirty five yeah. was a um was a Maduro and the Quattro Nicaragua was a Maduro. And then the Diamante is a kind of a dial back version, not a Maduro. And the Sonata is a dial back version of a Quattro Nicaragua. So they're kind of the yeah. same volume, but I knew Loomis wouldn't like that cigar from the beginning. Well John and, and Seth didn't like it either. Right. They had they it as both. average. I mean, like I said, the only person that really loved it was uh was June. June loved it. Couldn't get enough. Yeah, um, and he doesn't like AJ. He no. hates he hates AJ. Um Yeah, he was um, you know, it you know, and, and I agree with what he said about like it's not just that AJ earthiness. Yeah. Uh like Aaron and Aaron and Seth, I can see them being in, not liking this cigar. Uh you know, he, he was uh you know, and Seth had construction issues, which surprised me. Yeah. But uh, that not that's not a cheap cigar either. So no, um, twenty five. I don't think that helped cigar. either. Yeah. So you know um, it's funny because Raphael Nodell, who blended that cigar, um, he has a nickname for Aaron. I'm gonna show you to you. Uh oh, here we go. So he sent us these once. It's oh yeah, the Lost Palette. <laughs> yeah, it was right. it was sent in honor of Aaron. <laughs> Yeah, he did. Yeah, they killed it. Listen, I know Alton is a big sponsor of this show or anything, but I I can tell you our team has really been on board with what they've been doing in the last Mm -hmm. couple of years. I mean, Raphael's done a great job. I'm not saying I've loved every blend that Raphael's had. There's been stuff I have, but I think he's done a great job with them. Mm. You know, and I see a lot of times people will go and they'll gravitate towards a boutique cigar, right? Well, Mm -hmm. a lot of times AJ Fernandez is making making a Pravada cigar, right? Yeah. So, He's making Monte Cristos and Hey Chupmans and uh, Diesels. Like, so how are these cigars worse than the Pravada cigars? Like, yeah, mm. that's kind of where I go. It's, it's kind of it's the same factory that's making this stuff. It's probably probably similar tobaccos. You could tell me they're using cheaper tobaccos on the Monte Cristo than the Pravada. No, no. So I, I think it's kind of sometimes we get a little we romanticize a little about these smaller brands and comp and small batch released a little too much. Um but I also give development cards credit. They're, they're not afraid to, you know, they're not afraid to say something's average. A lot of people yeah. will either praise it or kill it, but they'll kind of go and say it's average. And I and I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. So that's that. So let's get to our cigar here, Coop. We're we're each smoking the same one, which is a change. I, I, actually I had a, I, I to an audible Oh you had a change. I had to do uh, his. <laughs> All right, let me tell you. Let me tell you why I had an audible, but I want you to talk about what you're smoking first. Oh, I'm smoking. I love this cigar. It's the Espinosa. This is the TAA. It's the Oro, the Murcielago Oro. Got that nice gold, right. gold uh, band there. Right. Uh, it's a Toro. It's got sort of like a soft box box press on it. Um, I've had these before. And I got some for Coop as well. I really enjoy the cigar. I really, really like it. Um, so yeah, so I'm having, I'm having that. Boop, boop. It doesn't really fit the theme, other than I really like the cigar, and I haven't had to have get to have it on the show yet. So I want to have it on the show. 
Okay. <laughs> that is audible. Up. Okay, I screwed up. Let me tell you the story. Dave had these TAA cigars kindly sent to me, right? Yep. Um, I actually put them in my cigar locker at my cigar shop. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. It gets better. So, oh, right. Whoa. Last night, I, oh, well, so I pulled one out to take back, right? Yeah. Yeah. But this is where I wasn't thinking. So, last uh, night on the show, I was on the show with Hector and Jack. I, I uh, said, okay, for my second cigar, it's going to depend on what happens if the Phillies lose. Well, oh, so, here we so go. if they win, I'm going to smoke a Warhead six. And yep. if they lose, I'm going to smoke uh, the TAA cigar. Now, the TAA cigar is a great cigar. Don't get me wrong. Oh, I, I just had my issues with the TAA. So I, I decided to give yeah. them, you know, I wanted to smoke something good, but I said, all right, I'm going to give them the losing. Well, yeah, you don't want to smoke something So bad. I smoked it on the air, except I realized <laughs> I didn't take all of them back. So about an hour before the show, I'm like, I, I don't want to. I can't get over there in time, so uh, I had a oh. so I apologize, Dave, on that. That's, I, that's a complete screw-up on my end. Sorry. <laughs> right. uh, At least you had it. Smoke, so, what, yeah. so... so I went with, again, just uh, because I had I had, I had a really audible. I went with the E.P. Carrillo Allegiance. Again, no, okay. uh, there is a little bit of a tie-in with this because – um, I thought the first time I smoked this was that I had a sample at the trade show. It wasn't good. So yeah, but I don't even know if that was the final blend. Is what I was told too. So, mm. uh, but I did smoke this for the first time when we were at that store in St. Paul. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So I think it was before you got there. Uh, I lit this up with Matt and Garrett. So mm-hmm. and that was the first time I had. It. I'm like, it was much better at that point. But I, I think that show sample wasn't even the right one. So this is the one they're doing at Oliva with the Sumatra wrapper on it. Um, mm. So yeah, I had an audible. I apologize. This is what did, a very you, what good did you think of the What did you think of the Oro? Um, I'll be honest. It's a so first of all, I think it's a it's for TA cigar. It's it's pretty good, right? It's really good, mm. right? Um, and I um, I thought it. I still like the Maduro, yeah, better in the uh. In the um, what do you call? It? I think I like the Mur- Maduro better. In the Lago. In the Murcielago, yep. yeah. Um, but I will say this is not a. Uh, it is not a. I like the first one. I like the format. I love that box press, that oval they have mm. in there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I tend to not like the Claro San Andreas for whatever reason. Yeah, okay. as much as dark San Andreas. Mm, um, I love dark San Andreas. But you know, I was to come. I really compliment, and I've had my, my issues with the TAAs because I don't feel Cigar Coop has been treated right by them, and mm-hmm. we've tried to cover them. And and actually, this year I stopped covering them. And look, if if someone like Espinosa sends me a TAA cigar, I'm going to review it, of course, right? So, but I have been very upset about the way Cigar Coop has not been treated right by the TAA, and we've given them a lot of coverage. So I, you know, I'm a little I'm a little sore at them. But that being said, uh, Espinosa did a great job with their TAA release. Not only just with the blend, but getting it out and getting excitement around it. I mean, Dave, mm. when's the last time you sought out a TAA cigar? I was thinking that, you know? Oh, I'd have to be uh, Lost Angel, maybe? Or well, like, so I, yeah, but one it, of the Tatuajes, it'd be years. Yeah, so I mean, I give you credit that it, it's created a lot of excitement with people who may not get excited about these on a regular basis. Um, and they did a great, so they did a great job with that. So it's nothing. I, I love the cigar. I think it's a good cigar because I, I think that Mercy Lago Lancero is just money. I think it's the best. Oh, I, I'm not a Lancero cigar. guy, and I love that Mercy Lago Lancero. I was oh, I was chain smoking them at Lazona Palooza a few years ago. So good. Yeah. Oh, so, I agree with that. so have you smoked? You smoked this, right? Yeah. I 
agree with everything you said. I I think I like it a bit more than you, but I do agree that it's not as good as the Maduro. Yep. But the other thing too is that it, I think it's a good change of pace. I like the blend. It's it's a bit different of a vibe that I get with most Espinosas because I tend to gravitate towards the really strong, heavy Espinosas. Yeah. Um, so this is a good sort of, it's a good Espinosa that's a little bit different, which might be why I like it a bit more. Um, and, and like you said, Coop, I think one of the things is that like, it's so rare to get a good TA cigar that I think it, the fact that it was good at all and that it's a TA cigar, it might have even bumped it up a bit more for me. That as oddly as that sounds, but yeah. Well, there was an interesting story that again, if you watch uh, special edition 148, uh, what Barrett and I did last night, um, they talked about the story about this TAA cigar. And what happened was, um, they were planning on releasing this Murcielago Oro. They had this plan yeah. to release it, right? It was going to be a limited, a limited run. I think it was going to be sometime in the spring. And then they got the green light for becoming a TAA to being in the TA. So they, they said, okay, you know what? We're just going to go with this. Cause we're going to have it. We're going to be able to have it ready in time. Once the TA is over, it will start shipping. So it was a, they, they made the decision to give that series to the TAA. Uh, and at the same time, they had, they were the first TA cigar to, to make it to the store. So, and then Jack and the sales teams were going to all the key TAA shops and, and, and really promoting yeah. it, which is what doesn't happen. Like a lot no. of times the manufacturers, what they do is, um, they will um, check a box. I did a TA cigar and we're done. Now, you know, companies like Crown Heads, I think, do, do, has always promoted their TA cigars. So I'm not putting them in yes. there. Pete, you know, his cigars really have a cult following. Uh, same with LeFleur. But, you know, a lot of these other companies, they, they just don't do anything with it's it. Dumb, so, yeah. so Espinosa, I, I give them credit. It was one of the better TA launches I've seen. Yeah. I mean, like I said, the only other TA cigars I can even think of are Pete's. And Lost Angel, like that's. I, I gotta be honest, the Lost Angels, Angels the were not as good as the Angels Anvil. I think they need to go back to the no. Angels Anvils, in my opinion. Oh, I love the Angels Anvil. The Lost Angels um, are, are not as good. They're they're good, but those some of those Angels Anvils were really good. Oof. Um, you're preaching to the choir there, Coop. Yeah. Uh, let's get to so the so the show is records that grew on us. Yeah. So. And the reason I threw this out to Coop was that I was doing the Metallica show, or prepping for it, and this album will come up later. I was listening to the, the Black album of theirs. Yep. And I'm like, man, you know, this is a lot better than I thought. Because when it originally came out, I bought it, and I'm like, well, this is okay. Yeah. Um, But I'm like, over time, I'm like, wow, these songs have really grown on me. They're pretty good. So I thought, oh, that'd be interesting. And I sort of thought of other stuff records that were like that for me. I'm like, oh, that'd be interesting show to do. Like, what records did they start out? Like, when we got them, we were sort of lukewarm on them, and then over time, they re they really grew on us. Um, And so, because anybody has those records, I guess. So, yeah, it, I just thought it'd be interesting to, interesting to do. I mean, how did you take it, Coop? Like, how did you... So, yeah, I mean, I think with a lot of times, um, with music that's the it's this happens right um i looked at this and as i started going through this exercise with really the exception of one album which is very recent 
uh, and I tend to, I judge that album without giving. I, I yes. listened with prejudice that album. I, I had no. I I avoided listening with prejudice, and I'll get to that. But the other nine, most of us fell into the case of. I really I really didn't get into that album right away because um, I, I didn't like the single that was released. Mm. So oh, you know, interesting. So right. going back in like the eighties, I was still consuming a lot of music through radio. Um, and that was the way I heard it, you know, heard it. I really wasn't an MTV guy to, to begin with. I wasn't never a music video guy, but you know, I'd hear a single and, and I'm like, well, I'm not really into the album. I can't really get into it. And then, you know, I didn't, ha- you know, you didn't have ways of like sampling the streaming album back then. So I either had no. to hear the album yeah. somewhere else or something. And, um, you know, it put a negative impression on me with that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes a deeper cut will do it. Sometimes the song will grow on you, which has happened in a few. Like, mm. I didn't like it does grow on you. Um, I find when you listen to a song, two things are going to happen. You're just getting sicker and it grows on. You. That's right. right? It, it, it's either one of them. Right. So in a lot of these other cases, it was I think when I started consuming music differently, yeah. suddenly it, beca- you know, there were cases where I like. I would listen to an album and there's one I'm going to talk about where mm. I, just, I just, it didn't hit me and I loved the band. Mm. But then later on, it, it did something for me. It, yeah. All right. Yeah. I mean, we'll get into the records, but like there aren't, I don't have any records, Coop. I don't know about you, but I don't have any records where I'm like, I hate this record and now I like it. It's either like I was Took- sort of, yeah, average on it, and it got a lot better. Or I liked it, but now I'm like, this is the best album ever. There, like, it, there, yeah. like, it has it. There, there weren't anywhere I was like, this album is trash, and all of a sudden I like it. It's no, it's more, I, I, yeah. I, I didn't have anything like that either. Yeah, I didn't have. Yeah. yeah. Um, I might kick it off then. Kick it yeah, off. I think in your case, I think in this case, you should kick this off tonight because. Uh, it's applicable to how we how you intro this. Okay, and and, well, and I'll just start with the one that I introduced, which is Metallica, the Black Album. I bought it when it came out in '91. It was hugely hyped. Like everybody I knew was buying it. It was all over the radio. Enter Sandman was everywhere, and I was like, I cannot wait for this record. Uh, I bought it. I listened through it a couple of times, and I was a bit disappointed. I was like, Oh, Metallica's going pop. You know, this isn't yeah. by the lightning. This isn't Master of Puppets. Like, I don't know. And then I sort of put it down. I didn't really go to it a whole lot. And then and then sort of after that, Metallica went like really pop. And I didn't really connect with it. And I sort of left it. And then it would come up every now and then I would play it. And then in doing the prep show, I was playing a lot. I'm like, this is really good. Th- there's some really iconic power ballads on this track. Or on this record that are just amazing, um, and so the record itself really, uh, really grew to me, and and really it's sort of like um, the last real heavy album of theirs. That's like because it's still like in comparing it to because that's the other thing, Coop. In some of these albums, it's like comparing to what came after it. Yeah, it's still quite true to the roots of the band i think Agree. Um, where at the time i was like oh it's not like when comparing it now it's like oh 
Um, and so the song I picked is kind of one of the songs that really changed for me and got I got a real appreciation for it. It's just sad but true. Yeah, it's a great song. song. Yeah. I love this. I've always liked the Black Album. Yeah. Um, I liked the direction, they, but it was a different direction for Metallica for sure as they, as they moved into the 90s. But I definitely went from, and there's another album that's sort of like this. It's kind of like a turning point album, that record. Yeah. And I went from like, oh, you know, this is a bit disappointing. Like, oh, you know, this is it's pretty good. So, yeah, so that, that album grew on me, that one. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, that that's uh, like I said I uh and I'm glad it kind of happened out of the show too that you know you kind of got into it because I think it's a good I, and look it mm. doesn't take away from what you think of those other albums by the way you just got appreciation it, for this I have two other albums that yeah I the show helped me like more um that we'll get to but uh, we'll go to we'll go to Coop first which uh I have to say I looked at Coop's notes this isn't the, there are some on here Coop that I was shocked yeah to see on here. Uh, but let, we'll get to your first one here. Yeah, I don't think this one necessarily is a is a total shock, right? But um, you know, Chicago, uh, Chicago was a band. I I love Chicago, right? And yeah. um, is uh, and I just thought that they um, to me, I loved the like they were that horns band. You know, in the mid seventies, mm. they just uh. Were just firing on all cylinders. They even did a disco album that I always thought was good. And then they, um, then in the 80s, they decided to become an adult contemporary band. Um, yes. and you know, they, they, um, it, it all changed, right? It just was very much the change. The, it, Chicago, it actually started with Chicago 16, with Hard to Say I'm Sorry. Good song, mm. but not, not something I love. And then when Seventeen comes out, I just got like really depressed, right? <laughs> oh, uh, no. I mean, and and again, the songs that are hitting the radio are uh, "Hard Habit to Break" and "You're the Inspiration," right? I'm like, what is this sappy? Like, it, it, it's just is too sappy. It's not bad music, right? Um, and I'm like, this is you know, this is just disappointing to me, right? Mm. And then. Basically, there's a track that comes out. It wasn't one of the bigger hits off the album, but it blew me away. Uh, Along Comes a Woman. Mm. Uh, which, to me, I heard that Chicago horn style. Uh, it was not It was a little bit of a campy song. I get it. Yep. A little pop-like song. But mm. I love the lyrics. I love the lyrics about this song. I thought Peter Cetera was, you know, like in real life, Along Comes a Woman. And... and, and uh, mm talks about the change and it was it was it was Chicago was always good songwriters on top of that it got me back into this album a lot more where I really realized looking at some of the tracks uh even um some of those sappy ones right they didn't mm. the, the horns were doing a lot more than I thought at that point I started with them like this is not a bad album right this is this is a pretty it this became their most successful album ironically is 17 yeah like, yeah yeah um but it was along comes a woman that really kind of twist and i i kind of saw it, it they when i look back at it chicago 16 was actually probably the album where they just mm. went adult contemporary it wasn't good this one i felt like they tried to a little bit to recapture some of the stuff they were doing in in, in the 70s because okay. the horn section was always the key for me with, with chicago mm -hmm. like if you don't have horn, a horn component to a chicago song you, you might as well not listen to them 
So <laughs> yeah, that's true. So my song I picked was "Along Comes a Woman." Nice. Yeah, I mean, just the horns are fantastic, and that's uh, you know, the trombone, the trumpet, and the sax uh, just blow me away in that song. Oh well, I so I mean, it's sort of similar. So, I my next record is Taylor Swift's "Lover." Yeah. And so, nineteen eighty nine came out, and then Reputation came out, and I did not like Reputation. I'm like, wow, right? I do not like this this turn for Taylor. Like, there's a track here and there, like on the record, but as a record, I'm like, yeesh. So then, Lover came out, and I'm like, ooh, I don't know. I think we're kind of still in the. She doesn't. She, yeah. she hasn't found her sound yet. I don't know. And I kind of lumped right. the two together and really didn't listen to it a whole lot. Right. Uh, but it's really solid. So, so, I mean, it's like in listening to it. So the reason I went back to it is I started really getting in to the song that I'll be playing called "Cruel Summer." That's the song I picked. Um, and I'm like, oh, okay, I love that song. I'm like, oh, I'll listen to the rest of this record. Archer is a great song. Calm Down is a great song. The title track "Lover" is a great song. I'm like, oh. Yeah. So I think I missed on it because it was kind of in between that 1989 and folklore, kind of like a down period for her, if you could have a down period. But yeah, um, but I'm like, oh, no. So I, I went back to this record and, yeah, it grew on me after giving it a good listen. And, and uh, so I guess this falls into the category where I just dismissed this record entirely. Like, I didn't even go to it. Yeah. Um, and then I went to it. And I was like, oh, I was wrong. This isn't that bad. So yeah, Taylor oh, I was, I was, I was, this one surprised me, Dave. I was like, I didn't think Taylor Swift would even be on this list. I think I really liked 1989. I'm like, oh, I can't wait to see where she goes next. And then Reputation came out, and either that felt to me as either a step back or like sideways. And I'm like, I don't really know what's going on here. And then Lover came out, and I listened to a little bit of maybe the title track. And I'm like, ooh, it's just the same thing. And I kind of just like, oh, yeah, no, thanks. Yeah. And I went back to it. I'm like, oh. That's pretty good. Yeah, no, I uh, I definitely agree. Uh, good job. Now this album, shocking. Yeah, I was shocked, and I think because I only know Coop's musical taste probably after he likes this record, right? So, I was shocked at this one. Um, look, I'll be completely. We did an album archaeology on this, but by this time, I was already on board with the album. But I think I did talk a little about like why this album turned me off originally. Um, the and uh, the album is so, and the artist is Peter Gabriel. Oof. I hated Sledgehammer. I'm yeah, sorry, I That's hated funny. Sledgehammer. It overplayed, was, I, I think. Overplayed. Yeah. The video was corny. You know, I was so much into Peter Gabriel's. Uh, you know, right. uh, shock the monkey stuff. That was kind of what I. Loved. Yes. Okay. I, I, I was. Yep. I was into shock the monkey in Salisbury Hill, and and then I get. Oh. And then what does he do after that? He comes out with Big Time as a single. Yes. This is horrible. Like, what is this? Like, like, what is this? Right. However, you know, I talked about like my buddies I used to hang out with, and some of the guys I would, um, I would, you know, you know, we were Genesis fans. And they're like, they're like uh, mm-hmm. you know, they told me, and one of the guys called me Bill, right? And he said, Bill, you, you got to listen to this album. I'm going to lend you the album, right? And you just got to give this a listen to because, and take your opinions of Big Time and Sledgehammer out when you do this. Yeah. So he, he, lent, me, he lent me the CD. Uh, 
and I listened to it, and oh my goodness, like again, mm. I'm like, you know, I'm hearing Red Rain in your eyes. Um, Red Rain's it, great song, yeah. Red Rain, yeah. We talked about that. It's it's a um, you know, I'm listening to these tracks, and I'm like, you know, uh, in your eyes just continue to grow. I mean, Mercy Street, right? Mm. Uh and. Then I kind of said, you know, and then I kind of softened on Sledgehammer and, and Big Time a bit, right? Okay, I, I can live with it. You know, if it's giving Peter Gabriel some good commercial success, but I don't, but I said this album's a, an absolute masterpiece. It's like when I went back and looked at this, right? Um, It, it is just an album that stands the test of time. And, and, uh, mm. so, yeah, I mean, many, it was, it took me a little while to get into this. And, and, and look, this is a case where, again, how I was consuming music, mm. I, I like I I heard the song. And I said I'm not buying this album, but <laughs> fans, they, like my friend Steve and Mike, they were big Genesis fans. They they blindly went and bought that album. Like they just we're buying this yeah. album, right? And they yeah. were just you know, and I'm like, and I remember it was it, it, this didn't happen quickly, right? Soul gets nominated for the Grammy. I'm like, what the hell is? How did this get? That kind of Sledgehammer get nominated, mm-hmm. right? But again, when you look at what Peter Gabriel did with that album, and you realize what a masterpiece that 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 is, uh, you know, and we did we did the album archaeology show, and and uh, it was just, uh, you know, it was just, um, I, I think I mm. talked about how this album was like Peter Gabriel's equivalent of Paul Simon's Graceland. It was it was like, yes, uh, which uh, is a very good uh, comparison there. Yeah, yeah, I think it was a lot with this as well. Um, and I was like saying this was like the last great synthesizer album we had because really after this yes. it changed. So, uh, but yeah, I love, I love, I just like I said, this album's a, this album's a must have album now. I, uh, I can see how if you liked Shock the Monkey and Salisbury Hill, how you'd gravitate to like Red Rain. Like that's a bit more yeah. in that vein. Yeah. Yeah. I and it's a bit, it's like Red Rain and Sledgehammer. It's like these are on the same record. Like, I mean, it's yeah. A, it's very and, different styles there, yeah. Yeah, and you know, there's you know, Peter Gabriel's such a uh he's he's kind of his own I don't want to say he's a storyteller, but he's got his ways of interpreting mm-hmm. things is what he tends to do. Yeah. Um and you know, like the like Red Rain, for example, was it was some dream that, that Peter Gabriel's having about Yes. Uh, oh yeah, know, yeah, he's, yeah, he's yeah. Pool drinking cold red wine, right? Yeah. So, yeah. You know, it's some dream and that's just how he, he creates this song and but yeah, you know, but Sledgehammer just seemed like so out of the ordinary for him. And I mean, I could see too, and it may is why I dismissed Lover as well. It's sort of like this is an era, well, the so, and then like in the night in the nineties as well. It's an era where you get a record and it might have it'll have two singles and the rest is just filler. Like the rest is just to make a record to have the singles. Um, so I could see if there's this really massive single, you're like, oh, God, like the rest of this record is going to be, you know, because there's a tendency to just have this filler around like one or two singles. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, I could, so if you don't like the single, I'd be like, oof. Well, see, that was, Elton, that, see that. that was Elton John album. Elton John albums are the worst filler albums I've ever, you know, and he, he, he's got two, one or two like legendary songs. And then he's got this uh, filler like, garbage for the rest. And yeah, there's yeah. not a lot of good Elton John albums out there. I mean, you yeah, have to go back yeah. to. You have to go back to like Mad Men Across the Water. Mad Men Across the Water, yeah, yeah, yeah. But otherwise, it's like he has got a terrible. Yeah. Uh, his albums are usually not great. Yeah. No. No, that's good. That's good point. Yeah. Um, Dolly Parton is next now. Oh, again, I, I, this one didn't totally surprise me that it was on here though. 
So, okay. So Dolly Parton has to make every show. She's kind of already made it and talking about the Chicks concert, but uh, the Parton album is called Backwoods Barbie. Yeah. And it was sort of in this, like, mid-2000s coupe where it's this real downtime for Dolly. Like, there was a lot of self-produced religious music coming out, and there were, like, Christmas records that weren't doing a whole lot. And it was sort of this, like, low period. I would say a period kind of lasted until, like, recently with the Dumplin' soundtrack and Run Rose Run, which was just, like, last year. So until then, there was just there was a, real, a real sort of downturn. And so for my Barbie listen or my uh, Dolly listening, I was like, oh, I'll just listen to the old stuff. Like, all this other stuff isn't really, you know, yeah, worth it. And... Um, I was just going through listening to Dolly, and I, I think, I think I read a couple pieces on Dolly where the where the title track "Backwards Barbie" was was uh, referenced as like, oh, this is a really interesting song. I'm like, oh, I'll check it out. Uh, and it's a solid country, a solid country record, Coop. Um, it's 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 pretty solid. I think it still holds up the title track. I think. She kind of gets away from that like heavy synth sort of guitar vibe that she has on some of the Christmas records and stuff. Um, I mean, is it as good as like you know, Jolene? No, but it's a solid record. Though I'm like, oh, this is record's pretty good, and I really like the title track. Title track really grew on me. So that's the song I picked. It's Backwoods Barbie. It really grew on me. That title track. Yeah, that's uh, a good one. That's a good one. I could see that. Yeah, but I could see this one with you. Why? Why you have have that one? So so this sort of falls into that, like, I dismissed it because it came out in an era where, like, everything she was putting out wasn't all that interesting. And I was like, eh. And I went back to him, like, oh, this is sort of the, the diamond the diamond in the rough here. This is sort of like, you know. Which, which goes to show that sometimes with bands, if they're in a bit of a low period, like, you know, don't write them off. No, no. I, it, I always say that every artist has one good, one good art album left in them. So yeah, so that so that's good. Um, so that that's sort of that backwards Barbie is sort of that that sort of yeah jewel in the midst of a lot of mediocre stuff. So that was no, that was a good that was a good find. I like that. Yeah. Now this is this is all like I am like Coop's list is just blowing me away. You know, I never thought I would see this band on a list like this. But yeah. go ahead, Coop. Well, in excess, kick. <laughs> That is crazy. So well, not crazy. I, I gotta go a little with the history of me with an excess. So I remember, you know, I walked into a store in Manhattan, and I heard Shabu Shaba being played, and I'm like, this album is amazing. I bought, I bought it on the spot, right? Then the swing comes out. That's even a better album. That's my favorite in excess album. Yep. Listen, I think takes a slight step back, but it's it, it's still a really really it's good album. Bad. Yep. I go and buy Kick. Like love Kick. Like, by the way, in excess, October was always the month they released their albums. It was kind of weird. So it was I remember really? going in okay. and buying this, buying this on CD. Uh, I bought it in New Jersey. Uh, I was going to Rutgers and I and I bought it and I, I put on Guns in the Sky and New Sensation. And I just I don't know. They lost me. Like, what is this? I'm like, they lost me, right? I listened to the rest of the album, but honestly, it was like after a couple of times, I'm like. Too poppy? It was too poppy, right? It was too poppy for me. So I put the CD in my CD holder. 
I don't know what happens, but the the second single, Devil Inside, like so. So, Need You Tonight goes number one. I am not a fan of Need You Tonight at this point, right? Um, But I did become a fan of that song. I'll talk in a little bit about how I did. But, I again, this was me. I I, I was hearing the album but not listening to the album. I, I, I was using it more as, like, background, whatever, right? Yeah, I just okay. wasn't. Like cleaning the garage, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, then oh. Death Inside hits, and I hear these riffs. And I'm like, shit, this is, I'm hearing these riffs. And I heard the riffs, but now it's hitting me a different way. I'm like, this song is hitting me, right? This song is hitting me. I'm like, dun, 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 dun. And I'm like, oh. And, and, and uh, then there's a great guitar bridge with Tim Ferriss. I mean, I'm, uh, and I'm like, okay, this one, this one, I, I, I kind of dig it. I'm digging this song a bit. Um, but it still, it still doesn't. Uh, it's it it doesn't hit me right away. But oh. then I then it this was I called it osmosis. I finally started listening instead of hearing the album, right? Mm-hmm. And suddenly, like mediate being mm. bridged to need you tonight was genius. I'm like mm. mediates really good, right? And then never tear us apart. It, oh, it started to mm. really grow on me as a as a power ballad, right? And I never thought of In Excess as that. Like doing that type of song was very uh, unorthodox. And then you know what? Guns in the Sky, that rip, that that John Farris rip started getting me. Dun, 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 dun. Um, I the the one song I never got into on this album. I know people like it, and I'm gonna probably take crap on it. Is New Sensation? I, I, that one is one. Uh. Mm. It's kind loved of a one. nothing song, isn't it? Really? Yeah, it, it, it's it's kind of loved one was was one of the other tracks I did like up front. I mean, that was, but I was like, yeah, this is not this is not like Shabu Shabai. I kept going back to, but no, but, yes. but this album. I mean, I guess the more I heard it, the more I listened, and I just heard some of the things that they were doing, and there was pop components to Noon Sensation and Need You Tonight. But then, but then at the same time, you had the loved ones, the devil insides, and the mediate. Such a, I mean, that's a video. I love that video with the cards they're doing. Yeah, uh, it, it's just it, it was, and I still would say Kick is 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 probably my number three favorite in this album. But but it it, mm-hmm. it has moved. It's 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 earned its right right now, um, to mm-hmm. do it. And I just you know it uh. I I I got to. If someone said to me this was not a landmark album, I'm like, how is this not a landmark album? Mm. In excess mm-hmm. became superstars worldwide. It led to the oh, Wembley yeah, concert. It mm. did. Is it musically landmark? Maybe not, because I think Shabu Shabbat still was the be- that changed a lot. But but yeah. landmark. This they went from Australian band getting a couple hits in the U.S. to to international stars to worldwide. Yeah, I yeah. still I, I I still think it was never tear us apart that the power ballad that probably oh. did put them over the top. Uh, but I took a while with that one. I I couldn't get into a power ballad from In Excess for a long time. I got the song on cassette or this this album. Uh huh. And oh, my song I mean, for I, that, I, my song for this is Double Inside. By the way, yeah. If I didn't say it. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love this. I love this album as much now as I did then. I think, uh-huh. but I think for me, okay, was, this one was a shocker. This one was the biggest, one of the biggest shockers on your list. Okay, okay, a, all yeah. right, yeah. all right. You want to like accept okay. it? This is a big shocker coming up from Dave. All right, okay. <laughs> I have 
Marvin Gaye's What's Going On. <laughs> now, my first note I have, I say, I'll just read the note I wrote. I wrote, okay, I know you've heard me say this is the best album ever recorded, which it is. Yes, but yes. that wasn't uh, but that wasn't always the case. Um so I always loved what's going on. And I love Mercy Mercy Me, but then I didn't really listen to the rest of the album. This is yeah, but you may have listened to it, heard it, but not listened to it. That's where I'm going with this. That's what happens sometimes. Yeah. Yes. I'm like, I, I would always gravitate to those songs and then yeah. I would move on. Yeah. Um, so I'm always like, well, the album's good, you know, but I didn't have the sense of like of it as an album. Uh, and then I don't know why. And then I was, (laughs) I had these things, Coop, where I have my own personal music debates. And I always said that Lit It Bleed by the Rolling Stones is the best album ever made. Yes, you have said that. And I said to myself, is that true? I'm like, because I was listening to it. I'm like, is it really this one? And and so I'm like, well, listen to some other records that are on like top 10 lists and stuff. And I'll just do my own little, you know. And then I'm like, listen to Mar. I'm like, no, it's not because Marvin Gaye's "What's Going On" is the best album ever made, and it's it's everything in a coop, like it, every song, like the writing in it is incredible. The bravery of putting that record out when everyone was said, "What are you doing? Like, don't put out such a socially active record. Are you insane?" Barry Gordy, like, basically, almost forbidding him to make it, and then grudgingly putting it out to be the highest selling Motown record ever. Um, it's incredible. And the more I listen to it, the more I love it. Uh, and I think it was finally sitting down and like, I'm just going to listen to this record. Like start to finish. I'm going to listen to every track. I'm going to listen to it through. And I'm not just going to pick tracks here and there. I'm just going to listen to it. And it's incredible. It's yeah. amazing. I mean, the song I chose is Inner City Blues, which I think is an incredible song. Um, oh, yeah, so I think, I think for you and the audience, which is shocked, is like you only know me saying this is the best record ever. Yeah, made. I would say I always think of you with "Let It Bleed," and and I'm surprised we haven't done an album archaeology on this one yet, and I'm sure we are going to. Oh, um, because like I said, those are the. I remember even you did a Stogie Geek show, and we were talking about our five favorite albums. I think these were both on, like those albums were on that list. So I was like, but I didn't realize it was. Yeah, I mean, like I said, you hear it, and you, sometimes you just hear what you want to hear. Well, listen to what you yeah. want here. You know what I mean? So it, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, it's like I like this song and that song. I don't need to listen to the rest of the record. And they're like, ooh. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so for a long time, I was like, Let It Bleed is the best album ever. And then this knocked it off. Yeah. Gone. Out. So, uh, so yeah. So, Marvin Gaye, what's going on? Yep. Good one. Uh, the next one, too, surprise, not surprise me, but that this artist would come up on this list. Yeah, um, and I think there's, I think I'll explain this one. Um, it, it, the artist is Billy Joel, and the album is The River of Dreams from 1993. Ooh. So well, let's go back to his previous album, uh, Stormfront was yeah. the previous album, and he does um, We Didn't Start the Fire, which I thought was a was a brilliant song. Most mm-hmm. of the rest of the album was a complete dud. Okay, and I had <laughs> right. this, I had this rated as. A Billy Joel, like it is my least favorite Billy Joel album is Stormfront. Like, uh, yeah, I thought the bridge was actually better than that. Right? It was just Billy. Really? Joel, I'm like Billy. Okay. Joel, 
is losing it, right? It's like, <laughs> and then I see this album come out with this Christy Brinkley like drawing on it. I'm like, what the hell is this? And what is uh, going on? And then yeah, okay. River Dreams just like I said, I'm not buying. I'm not buying this album. I'm like, like what's happening? Yeah, I'm not, okay. Right. Um. And uh, all about soul comes out. Mm. I go, damn, this is a pretty good track, even though it's it's totally not <laughs> piano, right? So I buy the album, right? And but the problem I'm having with it, I don't like. He's got some Hammond organ going on with this, right? Mm. But not like it. Just it, like where's the? It's it not, felt like, yeah, yeah, I'm feeling. Not that he didn't have piano, right? Mm. Um. And then, really, I start going into the deep tracks on this album. This is where. This album, it, like all about those will shine, but when I hear No Man's Land and I hear mm. Famous Last Words mm. and Famous Last Words are his, his, he says these are the last words I have to say because this was his final studio album. Yeah. Um, I'm like, yeah, this is great songwriting. But you know, I picked No Man's Land as my song because No Man's Land was brilliant. It was a brilliant song. Um, It's kind of like if you followed Arcade Fire, the suburbs, and how they talk about the suburbs, mm, Billy Joel mm-hmm. talks about the suburbs, right? And when I when I started listening to this song, right, mm. and, and Billy Joel's a Long Island guy, which is one of the big suburbs of a big city, he's mm. really. I said, you know what? He's getting back to what I thought the the Long Island guy, um, telling a story about Long Island, right? Mm. Now mm. suddenly this album started hitting me more um and it's just the deep tracks were really like the deep tracks were amazing on this album 2000 years great wall of china um like i said the one song i liked was uh all about uh, all about soul uh but i picked no man's land because it's such it's such a brilliant track um and um to me it was uh this went from an album that I just dismissed that when I was doing my top five albums that I would have nominated for, for the album of the year, this was probably in that, that was definitely in that category. It was an album mm. that it was, and I'm like, this is a great album to close out his career. I, I didn't think he'd actually close it out for 30 years because he hasn't really done. Yeah. It. But, uh, but yeah, it's a, you know, like I said, I, you listen to these tracks, they're just, uh, and you know, it, I'm glad, you know, there's there's little things like there's lullaby in there right, which was a a, a cool song inspired by his daughter. It's a lullaby. It's cool. Mm. It's a cool song. You know, and and I think what people like about Billy Joel is they like Billy Joel the storyteller. They like they like the music that tells about Billy Joel the person. Right. I thought Stormfront really got away from a lot of that, and, and it was it came back with this album a lot better. So uh, it, it has become like one of my favorite Billy Joel albums to date. Really? Yeah. So where the well, now, for for probably for the top five, to the I put top five. I put top five because because for people new to the show, Coop is a connoisseur of a couple bands in excess and Billy Joel. Yeah, um, you know, chief amongst them. Tears yeah. for fears. So so you so where would you put this in his? Like, if you were to rank the the Joel records, you're going top five. Uh yeah, I would probably say number one is Stranger. Stranger, yep. Number two is um, Fifty Second Street. Mm-hmm. Uh, number three is uh, I, I mean, number three, I would probably put um, Innocent Man. Four is Glass yep. Houses, and five is this one. 
I think glass houses I have a bit higher, but yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty yeah, good list there. Yeah, I would like I said, uh, you know, Turnstiles isn't Turnstile. Piano Man wasn't a great album. I'm gonna be completely honest. No. With you. It, it had a good song, but it wasn't a great album. I think that um, falls to the category of there are these monster tracks, and the rest is like yeah, a record. I mean, because yeah, and then Turnstiles w- w- was was better. Turnstiles was better, mm-hmm. but but uh, the problem, you know. I think that Glass Houses has one has such a strong side A. Yes, uh, the side B isn't bad, but but it has a really not, strong yeah. side. A. Yeah, it has a really strong side A. So, but yeah, I mean, in like I said, this one uh, like Stormfront was my least favorite one that he did. <laughs> yes, well, yeah. I think that's yeah. But it's it's similar to Piano Man. It had the monster track, but we didn't start the fire. Which yes, is, which oh is yeah, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Which is brilliant. Yeah, They're a brilliant track. Yeah. Um, I'm Madonna next, Coop. Uh, this with one, the album, I, I, that, yeah, I'm interested in this one. It's an album that came out in 2012, which is MDNA. Yep. And the only reason I got to this album is because we were doing the Madonna show. Because for me, Coop, I kind of switched off Madonna after Confessions. Oh, Dave! So after Confessions, that's a great album. After Confe- I, oh no, no, no! I mean, that was the last great album. Oh, yeah. I, I agree with you on that. Yes, I agree with you on that. She never came close no, to anything I guess, like that. So what I mean is, like, Confessions came out. I loved it. And then after Confessions, I'm like, well, the rest is just, she's just, well, the you rock know, ca- cashing money. Well, the money. hard candy was awful. Yeah. Like, she's just cashing money. I, I you know, this is yeah. the last great Madonna yeah. album I need to worry about. Yeah. Uh, and then I started doing that. I'm like, well, what did she do after that? And she has this record. So MDNA is like the way I explain it is it's just a vibe. It's like you're in the middle of this cocaine and acid fueled like neon sex club. Yep. It's what I say. Cause it is full on. Like this record is full on. So it is Madonna reinventing herself yet again, going from like the kind of like disco confessions which hung up was huge and is very disco influenced, right? Yep. So now she has this like really like like dance club EPMD like hardcore electro beaded record that is just like super high octane. And it's a cool it's a great record to listen to. Um I mean the songs themselves, like I don't know how great the like lyrically and stuff, but it's just this vibe and it's just so full on. I was like, wow. She's going for it. Um totally. Yeah, th- I agree with you on this one too. I think you nailed this one pretty good. Because I have a lot like, of the same feelings on this one. And I was like, wow. Like it just blew me away. Cause I thought, you know, the rest of the records are just kind of cast check it. Like, eh, like kind of average. But then she's like going for something here. And uh and the song I picked is I'm addicted. Is is the track I picked? Yep. But that this that it's a full on record coup. It is. She ain't messing around. No, no, definitely not. But this falls into the other like the like kind of the main category was like I don't even need to pay attention to this record because everything after Confessions is just pointless. Uh, and then I heard it, I was like, wow, <laughs> there's a lot going on there. Yep. And I don't know if there's a hit single off there. If there was, I wasn't really paying attention to draw me in, but it's a it's a cool record. Yeah. 
I, I like that one. I, I agree. I think it's a good, I think it's a, I think it's an underrated album of hers. Yeah. Uh, it was um, you know, it's it's um. Like I said, I think she's had a tough time. Confessions was such a great album. Oh, um, so good. That I, it's hard. But this was this was ad, this was admirable. I I agree with what you yeah. said on this. She uh, went for something. Yeah, like, she definitely. went for. Yep, yep, I agree. Um, now your next one. We have a lot. We have so many album archaeology records on here. I, we each do. Yeah, I think this is the last one I have that's an album archaeology. Yeah. Um, but I think I talked about this one. When we did mm. it, um, and I, you did. The, al- the album's Jagged Little Pill, and the artist is Alanis Morissette. I heard you go- ought to know, and I'm like, who is this woman, and why is she <laughs> so angry, right? <laughs> I, I just couldn't listen to it, right? I, I'm hearing the screeching, and I'm like, what is going on? on? Then, but this is one that really, again, I look at how things were consumed. Now, this was, I was hearing this all over the radio, right? And then the other singles start hitting with this album. Um, Hand in My Pocket. Um, uh, ironic, right? And, and and now suddenly, like, I'm like, okay, this has got some potential, right? And yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, um, you know those, like, CD clubs, those record clubs you used to be in? Yes. Um, I joined one, <laughs> okay? I joined one and I got to pick, like, like you know, 12 albums for like a dollar, right? Or 12 CDs for a dollar, right? The ultimate and, uh, scam. Yeah. <laughs> well, I got this one. But I listen to like, it's still, it still hasn't hit me, right? I, I, I don't know. It, it, it still didn't hit me, right? But actually, over time, I'm like, you know, I had it, I put it on, and, uh, and, uh, you know, I think I talked about some how some of the deep tracks really, really, uh, really came in. Um, and uh, you know, there's just songs like Mary Jane, not the doctor, right through you. I'm like, wow. I'm like, this is like, this is really, really mm. good stuff. Where and even I came around on you, all to know. I came around on because I'm like, All right, okay, I can see why she's angry now. I'm, I'm, I'm understanding the whole theme of this album, right? So I, I understand what she was doing with that track right now. Uh, and, and like I said, it became, um, uh, and I, I'm glad I did it. Uh, I bought, I ended up, this was an album I ended up rebuying, like a deluxe edition of. Um, I picked Not the Doctor. It's absolutely my favorite track. Yeah, you love that track. Uh, yeah. and I, I've talked about it. It's got this acoustic vibe, and it just, uh, then it kind of gets it, it really kind of, Alanis kind of gets in with some of that, um, that signature, uh, not screeching, but you know that that uh, kind of angst she's gotten there. Mm. Um, but this is, but and then I, you know, I didn't realize what, like when we look back at this album twenty five years later, it, it's it's a yeah. mess. You look at what a masterpiece was, but I don't think I, I, I don't think I, I think I was judging this by its cover more. And then all right, I'll yeah. get two of these singles on it, but but it was those again. The deep cuts really did it for me on this album for sure. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. I think, um. To go to my next record, it's 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 sort of the same in the sense that it was a huge record at the time that I was sort of like, eh, but then grew on me similar to you and I started really diving into it with like similar to Jagged Little Pill, and that's U2's Octune Baby. So when that came out, I bought it, right? Right. Because I love U2, so I bought it. I liked it when it came out, but I'm like, oh, uh, you know, this isn't uh, I'm never. You can never talk about this album in the same breath as War or Boy or 
Like, it's not, you know. But then I listen to it, Goof. And I keep listening to it, like, every year. Like, I listen to it all the yeah. time. And I'm like, this is a really good album. Um, and I love it more and more. And what I've, what I've found in it is it's, it's daring because they totally go against the Joshua Tree, the stuff that got them, you know. Right. They totally go against that. It's emotional. Like there's it, like some of those tracks have real good like emotional hooks to them. Um, I think it's well written. I think it's very eclectic. Like you got Zoo Station and you got like these other things. It's a fly on that. It might not be on that, but you got all these other ones. Uh, I think you're, you're looking at where this album lands. It's a band in transition because they're transitioning to that pop Zuropa sort of thing. Yeah. But it's also at, at its peak. Like, it's also a band where the creative energy of the band is really humming. Uh, and it's a great record. Like, I, I, I listen to it now, and I'm like, I have so much a better appreciation for it now than I did when I bought it when it came out. Um, and it's great. It's I, I think it's a good mix of that sort of old-school U2 that I fell in love with with where they're going to go later with pop and Zuropa. It's a good mix of those two styles. Um, and the song I picked is until the end of the world. Great track. Oh, just all but fun. no, I really, I, I really it, yeah. came, came on board this record. It took some time, but this would have been on my list, by the way, but you had it right mm. for me. Same thing. Same thing for me. But here's what, here's what happened with me with this one. Um, I was like you, like Zeus Station. Like, um, mm-hmm. I did like until the end of the world. I didn't like that track. I didn't like one until I understood the whole story of what was happening. Mm. And I found out, you know, uh, the whole story of the band almost breaking up and how this was the track that kind of, you know, tells the story of them coming back. To, you know, there's a great story of, the, you know, this album here. The band almost, the, the band was almost broke up at this point, right? Um, yes. and, uh, you know, you know, it was, they it kind of got them all excited again about you. If they would have did another job, I, I Hector will hate me. I'm not as big on the Joshua Tree as everyone is, right? Oh, I but love Joshua Tree. It, but I can see that. But I can but, see, but I was yeah. but I was always unfig- I was the unforgettable fire guy. Um, but I was worried they were going to go in a pop direction, and one to me at first seemed like a pop song, right? But then when I understood it again, when I'm hearing the story of the band, right? Um. It, it, it kind of flipped me a bit on this album. And then really, like I said, you know, like you, uh, same thing. Uh, Until the End of the World is my track on this album. It, it's just, oh, I love that track. Oh, like I think when you look at these tracks, you have them experimenting with where they want to go, which is like the fly and Zoo Station. And you have ultra pop tracks, which is sort of like, um, which is which is sort of like uh, trying to throw your arms around the world. It's sort of poppy. Um, one was a huge hit. Um, even better than the real thing. Like that's kind of, you know, a bit more poppy, a bit more electric. But you got like, like for me, you're like, um, you know, who's going to ride your wild horses? You have... Yeah. Um, the one we the the song we're we're talking about until the end of the world, which are very sort of Joshua Tree, yeah, old school like 
Yeah. So it's, it's there's a lot. I mean, you just look at these tracks on here. Like, So Cruel is a great track. Mysterious Ways is a great track. Yeah, trying to throw your arms around the world. Oh, it's, it's you know, I have, uh, yeah. And I think it, it's just really, I just got a lot more appreciation uh, for it. Yeah, I, oh. I, I, I agree. Uh, I was in the same boat with this as well. There's some great, this is a, a great band. Uh, I think the, the, um, Adam Clayton really shines on the bass on this album. Yes. So, yeah, he really does. I think Ed starts to take more of a role in the band around this album as well. Yeah. Ed, this Ed, and, Ed, and Joshua Tree. Definitely Ed takes a more role there. You know, some of those riffs he has uh, yeah. uh, in, in these songs are just, you know, amazing. Like, until the end of the world, some of those riffs are just like, wow. Uh, now, I, I, Wade, I, too, I, one. I take personal pleasure in seeing the Ness album on, on this list. This is all you, Dave. Uh, I was trying to find a way when I was going to break this to you on the show. Um, <laughs> but uh, I did commit to you. I did commit to you that uh, I would listen to this album. And I did it about a month ago. Um, mm -hmm. And I was going to give you a fair evaluation of this album. <laughs> uh, so this is. But I, I, I actually this is before you play in the show. I had done this right. Yeah. And it's the Barbie album. <laughs> I this is a case where I judge I judge the book by its cover more than anything, right? Mm. I heard a couple of tracks off this album, right? And I just like I, but the you know, it just didn't hit I mean, I'm like, what is this didn't hit me at all, right? I'm like I said I'm like, you know, this album's garbage is what I was gonna say, right? Yeah. Um but it was some of the tracks that I had heard that just really didn't like, uh, didn't, didn't really, uh, do it for me. Right. Yeah. Uh, but there's a lot of tracks on this album. Right. Um, yeah, there are. and, uh, you know, I, 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 um, I just, what I, I mean, I heard a couple, what do you call it? What the, what was the, um, you know, I heard, put my notes here. So the, I, I know that I heard Barbie. World, right. Yes. Uh, I was like, you know, uh, I'm I'm not a big uh, Ice Spice person, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, uh, I Speed Drive didn't it took took. Yeah. At first, it didn't do it to me, but it was Dance the Night that blew me away, mm. right? Uh, and and what? Oh, Dance the Night. So I'm listening. Dance the Night. This is Mark Ronson. This is yeah, you know, Bruno. He has this. What a vibe Dance the Night has, and I'm like, mm. um. I'm into this. Like I can get into this, right? So speed drive suddenly started growing on me, right? Um, yeah, you know, and then I'm looking at like songs like what what was I made for? Uh by Billy mm. Island. I'm like, I'm like this track. I'm like, I'm digging this track too, you know. Uh the what was the other one? Um Choose Your Fighter. That was the Ava Max track. I'm like, mm. these tracks are are good and this is a really good album. I mean, I'm actually wondering, Dave, if this is go. gonna get a Grammy nomination. I think songs on that definitely would. Hey Blondie song, uh, the Mark Ronson, you know, produced track as well. Hey Blondie by Dominic Fike. I'm mm. like, I am actually thinking this is gonna get. I'm not saying album of the year, but it may get something like a pop or something. Mm. Um, you know, the, the Grammys like occasionally to throw a soundtrack, uh, a, a big, a big nomination. Yeah. I, I thought I you'd love that Dua Lipa song. Oh, that Dua Lipa song is amazing. Oh, my goodness. That's, it's because it's got that retro vibe on top of that. Yeah. Holy cow. And I'm like, uh, this is, and I, I should have known it was it was Mark Ronson uh, uh, as mm -hmm. well. Uh, it's, it's, 
I don't know if that song is going to get a song of the year nom or record of the year nomination. It should. It's a yeah. really good track. I don't think it will. I mean, the Grammy things are coming up next month. We'll we'll know more. But I think Barbie's going to get some love at the Grammys. I don't think Barbie will sweep the Grammys, but Barbie's going to have some nominations, I think. I mean, you can see a couple of these songs, too, like the Billie Eilish track, What Was I Made For? Yeah, it's a good track. I think she expanded her. I think it's kind of like mm. she kind of got a, like it's expanded her um, horizons, I guess, of that track. But I think that track and the, the Dua Lipa track, you could see them getting Oscar nomination for like best. Oh, yeah. I think song. for sure one of those will get the original song nomination. Yes. Yeah. Uh, even the Sam Smith track, uh, Man, I Am grew on me. Yeah. Uh, I'm just Ken grew on me. I mean, I go shocked at that one. <laughs> Again, it's another Mark Ronson. Tra- I didn't realize how much Mark Ronson was involved with this album. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and I'm a big Mark Ronson guy. So I think he's one of the best producers out there. And uh, when I started, like I said, looking, at, I, like I said, I was judging this from, uh, you know, I was judging this from Barbie World. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I was judging Barbie World on this one. So I was like, uh, well, you know, you know, and I'm not a Nicki Minaj or Ice Spice guy, but but yeah, then then yeah. Uh, then it changed. Oh, well, I'm glad I'm glad that uh, you enjoyed it. Yep. Yeah. I think this this next record I have, I think it's one that you've talked about before. Uh, uh, it's I cast. Yeah, with, I have uh, Stegonia. Yeah. Yep. You yeah. I always just listen to like a couple tracks and never really listen to it. Yeah. And then I got it on vinyl earlier in the year as part of the club the vinyl me please thing I was in. And I was like, oh. I'll check it out. And I think it might be one of the top five hip hop records ever. Like Andre three thousand is amazing on this record. He really is on I was gonna He's say so uh, good. Yeah. Uh, it was then, B.O.B. It was obviously B.O.B. was the track that really kind of captured me on this one. And they got Killer Mike's on this record. Gangsta yep. Boo is on this record. Erica Badu is on this record. Mm-hmm. It's great. I, and then my song is B.O.B. But it, it, oh, it's, it's, a, it's a tremendous record. Yeah. That I just didn't spend a lot of time with. And I was like, whoa. Yeah. So, yeah no, that, it, uh, you know, um, a lot of people will say... Um, I mean, the other Outkast album, which I thought they were going to win album of the year, was, was, was Speaker Box. I was surprised. Yes, that yes, Spe- yes. I was surprised that Speaker Box didn't win it. I did. I, 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 I remember when I did my Grammy predictions that year. Um, uh, no, did it? Did it? No, it didn't win album of the year. It didn't okay. win. Um, it won best rap. No, did it win album of the year? I don't think it did. Of- I think it did. I'm sorry, it did win album of the year. Oh, did I predicted it to win? I did predict it to win, but I was thinking I. Yeah, I'm probably I'm confusing my albums here. Uh, it, uh, but Stankonia lost. Mm. Stankonia lost. That was it. Stankonia lost to uh, which I'm I'm gonna tell you this album is this is it lost to Oh Brother Where Art Thou soundtrack, which is a really good soundtrack. Oh, That's a good soundtrack, Dave. Give I mean, that it's a one good a, soundtrack. Uh, it's it's one of those you gotta listen to a lot though. Is what I'm gonna tell you. It will grow yes. on you. Uh, but you know, uh, that was the year all that you can't leave behind and Stanconia was in there too. Um, but then yeah, speaker box did win it. Um, uh, beating out, uh, JT's justified that year and Missy Elliott under construction. Yeah. But, uh, but Andre 3000 is great. He is good. He is absolutely what it's, I think, uh, are we going to see outcast in the hall of fame? I think we will. I think we will. (sighs) 
I keep wondering why they don't do another record. I mean, they're they're both out there. Yeah, I know Andre's. He's kind of been into you know, um, he's kind of been doing his thing with you know some of the movie stuff. Yeah. Um, but he hasn't. Done, I mean, really, they haven't done an album in about seven or eight years. I want to say no. Yeah. Now this next artist, the Coupad. I'm surprised this artist is on here. Yeah. All <laughs> uh, right. Uh, yeah. So. Donna Summer, bad girl. Yeah, what's going on there? Wasn't a disco album. Okay, this was the problem. Oh, with it it okay. was it wasn't a disco. So uh, the the it, hot stuff was very like Donna. I go Donna Summer's selling out here. Like 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 this is comes out in seventy nine. The disco era is still strong, and she's doing something that's a little more uh little yeah. It's got a rock edge. So I'm like, this ain't what I want from. I don't want to hear Donna Summer doing rock this? right. Um. So I had a tough time. I did get the album, right? I had a tough time embracing this album. Uh, and, uh, you know, Bad Girls was... Bad Girls took me forever to get on board with, by the way. It was like years late, years and years and years later, I finally appreciated Bad Girls, right? But uh, the song, but but Hot Stuff was on it. But then, you know what? Um, the album, like I said, uh, Sunset People uh, starts getting it. I'm like, uh, you know, again, it's starting to grow on me. Um Excuse me. And um, it became, you know, like I said, it grew on me really, really fast. Mm. As I hit the cough button. Mm. Yeah. Um, and, and, and you know what's funny? I ended up years later, right, appreciating what Donna Summer did with this album. Um, the Hot Stuff, right? And Hot Stuff really was a... Um, I, and, and here's the thing that was interesting is... When I was like, if I go about three years after this was three or four years after this release, and I was starting to hit some of the nightclubs, like, and I'd be that, you know, I always tell the guy, I was the guy on the, I was never the guy on the dance floor, I was the guy in, I was the guy in the back, right? And yeah. hot stuff was still being put. I'm like, people are digging, like, the, there's dance, there's disco dancing going on to hot stuff. They did some remixes and all that. Um, but, but I said, you know what? If this, because I always like rock, I said, if this, but I was like disco, I said, if this can be played in the disco, this has got to be something pretty, pretty good there right now. Um, mm. and hot stuff won the Grammy for best rock that year. It was, a, <laughs> that was what was funny. Uh, but there's, there's some, I mean, I'll tell you what, this album too, it really, Donna Summer does not get, uh, her due on this album by any means, uh, because, mm. um, there's some great track, Dim All the Lights is on this one, Walk Away, uh, um, you know, um, Once in, One Night in a Lifetime. Uh, mm. it, it really, really, uh, will grow on you. And, um, you know, it was, um, ironically, this was the last album she did with Casablanca too. Um, so, uh, yeah, it, it's a great album and it's probably today. It's kind of looked at even it, it's, I've heard people rank this as a disco. I still don't rank this as a disco album. It's not, it's not what she was doing in this mid seventies, but, but um, it it probably is her uh, you know it's probably her landmark album she did for sure. Nice. Yeah. So, Sunset yeah, People. Uh, oh, that's the other song I was saying. Sunset. But my pack I picked was Hot Stuff because it eventually really did grow on me and I liked it. Excuse me. Yeah, I I was surprised. I mean, the next couple albums I have are are thanks to album archaeologies we have done. That they grew on me, and the, the yeah, next one is more, uh, yeah, 
pet sounds. I was shocked on this one. Um, but then I think <clears> I remember. <throat> I remember you told a little story that um, it took you. A, yeah, I remember yeah. when we did. Yeah, because Pet Sounds is a record that was always on the like top records of the year, right? Of, of all time. Yeah, I'm like, I get it. I guess I don't know. Hmm. And I liked a couple tracks off it, but then we did the album archaeology. Like we should do this because. Like everybody has this record is like one of the top three records ever made. Yeah. So we got to do this. And it's not just in, on one list. It's like every list all the time. So I'm like, well, I'll check this out. Yeah. Um, And it's amazing. I love the record. Uh, I really got into it and found a new appreciation for it. Um, I think some of their best tracks are off this record. Now, oh, yeah. Mike Love would probably argue that. Yeah. But uh, it's a record that killed the band. They totally uh, did. But but it's an amazing, amazing record. Uh, Mike Love. Just a... uh, he did not want to keep doing this record. Oh, it's because his album cost a fortune to produce. <laughs> so well, cost a, it costs a fortune to produce. He's constantly going up to Brian Wilson and like, hey, remember how we used to do these surf songs that people like? Why don't we do those? Yeah. <laughs> and Brian Wilson's like, get over yourself. I'm an artist. And it just never worked out. It never um, worked out. Right, right. But it's a tremendous record. God only knows is the song I chose, because that song's incredible. Yeah. But I mean, it has. There's like there's so many great tracks on it. Sloop John B is on it. I mean, it's a great record. Waiting for the but day it, is so underrated. Uh, but it just killed. It killed the band. Like just it killed, killed the band. Them. It never. Yeah. I mean, you know. And the funny thing is, you know, you. We think we talked about this when you listen to "Wouldn't It Be Nice," right? Oh. If that's the first track you're hearing. You're thinking more of that doo-wop beach music, right? Yep. And then it changes. Then the album really starts to change there. And Tony, you know, Tony Asher, that, because Mike Love was, ironically, it's one of the two tracks that Mike Love wrote was, wouldn't it be nice? Because then it was all Wilson and Tony Asher for the most part after that. Yeah. Mike Love was not a huge fan. No. Uh, um, yeah, it's like, let's do that surf music that got us all that money. Yeah. But you, you know, and again, this album never got the accolades it should have gotten. Never got the no. Grammy. I mean, but we talked about this was such a pivotal album in the rivalry with the Beatles. Up. Like the Beatles put the Beach Boys as their rival at that point. And, yeah. and McCartney said this was the best album he ever heard, and he wanted, and he was obsessed with topping it. Yeah, because they got a, like a sneak viewing because I don't know who it was, but someone went went over to London with this record, like associated with the band. I don't know if I think it was a member of the band, but I don't, yeah. it wasn't Wilson or love. I don't remember who it was. And they're like, Hey, have a listen. And he, I think it was McCartney and it's either McCartney or Harrison or McCartney and Lennon went up and listened to it. And they're like, Oh my God, <laughs> like this is incredible. Yeah. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta figure it out. We gotta up our game. Yeah. Uh, yeah, McCartney tells that story when he heard it, and he's like, "I just thought, like, uh oh, we're gonna, we gotta, we gotta change it up, because this is nuts." Yep. Which to have the Beatles be like, say that is pretty crazy. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Oh, we're we're going near the end here, Coop. I was surprised at this record just because I didn't. Um. Like I just was surprised that this record was on the list that you were a fan of this record or that this record grew on you. Yeah, so so the the album is fifty one fifty and the band is Van Halen, right? Mm. So look, I 
I loved 1984. I, I loved uh, I loved yes. Ross, right? And I actually was excited about Sammy Hagar coming into the band. I'm like, this guy's a pretty good guy, right? Um, and then they released Why Can't This Be Love? Yeah. <laughs> right? And I bought this album, and I said, I'm going to buy the album anyway, right? Uh, I, honestly, I think I... I this was another case of like you know you and I were talking about. I didn't really, like, I didn't really listen to this. I you know it's like I don't know. I just couldn't get into it. Um, I'm at Rutgers University. This is how I got into this album. This is a weird story. Okay. So, okay. Um, I'm at Rutgers University, and uh, we have five guys sharing an apartment. Um, guy named Ted was one of the guys, and a guy named Dana, um, mm-hmm. who I'm still tight with Dana to this day. He's a great guy. He's probably gonna get mad at me for telling the story, but um, Ted got a keyboard, right? Ted was like Ted was playing the keyboards, and um, every, one weekend everyone went home that weekend except for Ted and Dana, and uh, they worked out a uh, a parody song <laughs> off this thing called Drugs, all right, and it was a parody of Dreams. I come back. I come back there, and they're like, "Hey, we gotta play this for you, right?" Like we recorded it and everything, right? And it's, I'm telling you, it's like so. Uh, it's instead of dreams, it's drugs, right? And it's a parody. And I'm like, yeah. where the fuck am I hearing this song from? Like, I know this song. <laughs> they go, "That's dreams from 5150, the album." That I'm like, to. What? I'm like, what? I'm like, this is great. I'm like, I gotta go back and listen to. So I started listening to dreams, and uh... I'm like, this is dreams. And then, then love walks in, and then uh, you know, summer nights, and I'm like. And, and here's the thing: Where why can't this be love? It seemed like a very tired Van Halen song, and to this day, yeah. I, it's one of my least favorite tracks. Right? Um, yeah. I, like Eddie's guitar seemed kind of tired. I don't know how to explain. It was like I wasn't impressed by Eddie's guitar, but Dreams was more of a keyboard track from Eddie. Uh, and mm. um, and it was okay. just like, and I was, you know, and it was that parody song that got me back to listen That's to that song. This was like, and. I had a copy of that. I don't know what happened. I had a copy of that song for many, many years on cassette, and I don't know what happened to the cassette. Oh no, Coop! I looked for it. I like. I think it during a move, it got lost or something. So yeah, because if, if you ever heard him, like these guys are great. We're great with it. But uh, you reach for <laughs> the clean strings. <laughs> it's like, That's interesting. Yeah, you reach for the vial. Uh. I, I gotta admit, <laughs> I'm like I, I had a similar experience to you, but I heard that song, uh, the what could this be love or whatever it is, and I'm like, yeah, nah, I'm out. <laughs> Dave, I was out. I was like, this what is it? I never went back. I, and I'm like, this is a disappointment. This is what I waited to hear, Sammy Hagar. I'm like, David Lee Ross yeah. got me laughing is when I heard this, and oh, these guys were big Van Halen guys, and they were like, look, I'm telling you, this album's good. And I had the album. I'm like, guys, I, I just, I don't know. Like, I couldn't get past what I can't. And I couldn't get the other track. It took me a little while. It was good enough. And then I eventually, yeah. did, you know. Uh, but yeah. I mean, 5150 is a huge record. It's a huge album. I just. Yeah. That's a, wow. Yeah. But well, to this day, I would say if you asked me uh, if you were to rate the Van Halen singles that were released, it would still be my least favorite. It, I never oh, came around yeah. on this track. I never came around. That's the one track I never came around with, by the way. It, it, yeah. I, I, you asked me. I still think the track sucks. So, oh yeah. Sorry, but, Eddie. Know. Sorry, Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Eddie. But you know. <laughs> yeah, I feel bad at not liking an Eddie track. But this is well. 
Okay, Van Halen Three is a whole other disaster. But we well, that's a whole other. Yeah, that's show. that's one of the great shit shows ever <laughs> with a uh, with a band. Yeah, don't you? Uh, and the same thing. I was I had big expectations with Gary Sharon coming in disaster. So, but yeah, Van Halen. So, um, so my next one. This is an album that. So it's a Beatles record. Yeah. We don't do the Beatles a lot because, yeah, we're like, oh, you can always do the Beatles, which I think. We need to do more Beatles because we say we could always do the Beatles and we never do, never do them. Right. So, but I was always White Album, Rubber Soul. I don't need, like, Let It Be is okay. I don't need to listen to the rest of them. Uh, and then we're like, well, let's, and then I heard, I heard some tracks off Revolver and I was like to Coop, let's do Revolver. Yeah, we did that for Show 100. Yeah, for sure, a hundred because it's you know we it's a it's a big show. A Beatles album archaeology is a big show. Let's do it. And in getting ready for that, I'm like, wow, this is a really good album. Yeah. Um, and it sort of grew on me and like overtook my love of the White Album and, and Rubber Soul. And I love this this record. The band is so tight on this record. Like I know this is like near the end where they're starting to fall apart, and they probably hated each other, but. It's so tight on this record. Like you hear this record, and the band is so tight, and they're so experimental, and it's just really good. Um, and the track I chose is "Taxman." Oh, and, and I just adore that track. Like "Taxman" is such a good track, and it's this good mix of like experimental, but you get that like classic kind of hard rocking, you know, guitar riffs and stuff that uh no i think it's just a great record and and it, it really grew on me revolver oh uh, yeah. I, mean, I know everybody has their favorite beatles records and they probably switch from time to time so this one definitely raised uh in appreciation for me uh this track or this record this one, you know, that's that's an album that got into me more as I learned the story of that album. When we did the album archaeology, I, I really appreciated it a lot more because there's such interesting stories on that album. Uh, you know, it's an amazing story uh, in there, you know, about how some of those songs came to be. Came together, yeah. Yeah, a bit of revolver. Yeah. Oh, oh, here we go. There's a lot of notes on this one. Yeah. Stevie. Stevie Winwood, uh, back in the highlight. Back in the yes. highlight. I always liked the Spencer Davis group, uh, Traffic, and I liked some of Steve Winwood's early stuff, uh, solo stuff. Yep. Higher Love comes out. <laughs> it didn't hit me, right? And title when, track is so much better than that song, but go ahead. What was that? I said but the title track is so much but, better than that. But song. I'm going to tell you, I came back to Higher Love. I just realized how... how okay. Genius. Well, it, 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 I'm like, um, okay, so I, I think I got this album again as a uh, Freedom of Still comes out. I get the album through the record club. <laughs> so another one I get. Yeah. To, and Freedom of Still is not bad. I like the track, but it is it is it, you know, and and to be honest with you, I didn't. I think I maybe played the album through once or twice. Yep. And yep. just uh, I ignored it. Right. Again. Yeah. Um. Finally, I don't know what happens. One day I'm listening to this, and um. Finer things comes. I don't know, and eventually, it got released as a single. 
And I'm like, holy shit, this is a freaking amazing track. <laughs> and I have no explanation for why I like this track because it's nothing like that Spencer Davis group or the early stuff. In fact, it's more like Higher Love than I think, right? But but I'm like, this is this is brilliant songwriting, right? And um great, right? So this album's already out for about a almost a year when mm-hmm. the Hago Leonard fight comes on pay-per-view. Yes. I, well, and I, I remember I was again I was with my friend Mike uh, and his father, and we were watching the fight at his house. Um, uh, Great fight! I mean, Heather Leonard, man. Whenever they we fought, we, those were... we yeah, I mean, we, you know, this was my normally I go to the 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 closed circuits with my dad, um, and I forget why I didn't go see this one with my dad. Uh, even pay per view, like something was going on, and that's why I went over Mike's house to watch it, and and he was out of town maybe or something, right? But no, I watched these fights with my dad, and it went, wow, it was just great. We watched the post fight, and then they go to the credits, and then the credits they start playing Split Decision. Right, and I'm like, holy shit, I have I have this track. I'm like, this is <laughs> it's a holy, this is freaking amazing that, that this is a boxing song. I'm like, you know, it fits, and and then I go look at the crowd. Joe Walsh's guitar, which is amazing on this, right? Um. That now I'm going back to this album, and I'm like, uh, man, uh, I'm just getting into now. I'm really spending a lot of time listening to this album. Um, uh, there is just take it as it comes. Um, kind of reminds me of uh, some of his because I got prelude into doing some of the stuff he did a couple years later. Uh, mm-hmm. My Love Is Leaving is just it, it's kind of a slow track at first, but when you listen to it, how good it is, it, it, it's yeah. just great. Uh, and you mentioned back in the high life again. Um, it's a great track. Uh, it's a little more pop friendly, but it's a, a great track, you know. Um, I suddenly looked at this album in a different way, and then I really was listening to what what Winwood was doing with Higher Love. Um, mm. And um, this was um, this was this was this was just really um, he was using. I believe there were some drum machines on this at first. Yeah. Um. And I, I believe it's still mostly drum machines, but they were just uh, the some of the percussion was was amazing, right? Um, and it just um, and then I I I came to appreciate Chaka Khan's role in this song a lot more. Uh, okay, yep, yeah, and it's just you know Whitney Houston covered this with Kygo many years later, uh, and mm. actually, and, and it's an amazing cover she does of this song as well, and I think it should. But um, I don't, you know, like I said, it was it was just. To me, it it, it reinvigorated it, this whole album. After I finally saw for what it is, uh, amazing album. I, like I said, there's about four or five of my favorite Steve Woman tracks on this album. Uh, and I would put Higher Love now. I I flipped on Higher Love. I don't know why it couldn't hit me at first. Yeah, I mean, overplayed. I, could, I think it was overplayed could, a lot too. I mean, I could see yeah, how split you, decisions yeah, my track. Overplayed. Yeah, yeah split decisions yeah. my track. I my so my last one, it's sort of. It's a Bruce Springsteen record. Yeah. And I I was going down like a Bruce Springsteen rabbit hole, and listen to this record. It's Nebraska. Great album, but yeah, I could see where this one fall. Yeah, because I mean was... originally, because I love Bruce Springsteen, and I I listened to a lot of Bruce Springsteen. I mean, Born and Run is the best record. Is yeah. his best one. But I was like, ooh, there's no E Street Band. I don't know. I liked Atlantic City a lot. I'm like, it's kind of a darker song. Ooh. I'll have a listen. Like the 
album, the cover is just like a point of view shot from the inside of a truck in some like winter wasteland. It's like, what is this? Yeah. And I listened to it. It's such a great record, Coop. It's very dark. It's such a different. It's such a different tone of Bruce Springsteen that you get. It's a dark record with great storytelling. Um, it's just, it's really good. Uh, it's got a really great sort of like theme throughout. It's a well-constructed record. Uh, the title track I chose, or the track I chose is the title track, Nebraska. Yeah. Uh, and it's just such a good record. But I, but what turned me off to it originally is that lack of the E Street Band that I really yeah, love. Yeah, they're, they're not on this one. This is not, it's not an E Street Band album at all. No, and I and I love his connection with that band so much that I, I never really would come to it because I'd pick other albums to listen to ahead of it. And when I finally sat down and listened to it, I'm like, oh, this is really good. And now it, it is like definening in the rotation when I listen to Springsteen. Yeah, you know, um, I was in a very similar boat with you. It was actually going to a couple of Springsteen concerts that got me to Nebraska eventually with, you know, mm. the coverage of, uh, you know, songs like Johnny 99 and Atlantic City yep. that got me back to this album. But I always kind of thought that this was the blip he had in his first six albums. Yeah. But it's, uh, I mean, he's trying something different. And, uh, and yeah, no, it's really good. It's a great record. Grew on me, uh, like, big time. Oh. I love your final record here, Coop. Love it. Yeah. Um. This is another one that's kind of the Rags or Richard story for me of uh, turning around. Um. The album is Songs in the Key of Life and the Artist of Stevie Wonder, right? Now, I don't know why it took me so long to get into this album. I think, you know, so I think kind of looking at my musical journey, right? Um, I heard some Stevie Wonder singles and all that, right? And... But like by the time I was seventeen, I just called to say I love you. Came on, it was off. I hated that song. Oh, right? oh, oh, I hate, I hate, I yeah, hate. Yeah, yeah. I hated this song. Right. Um yeah. I, Again, I think I got this album. Uh, I mentioned, but there were a couple of tracks I liked off this album. Right, off the track. Um, and um, they were more popular tracks that I, that I that I, I I liked off this album. So I ended up getting through the record club. I just picked it up. Right. Uh, because you had like I wish. Boom, boom, boom. Mm. I love, which I love. And, and, and isn't she lovely? But mm. so this is like, I have this, but again, I'm not appreciating what this album is. I really did. I had it. I listened to a couple of tracks. I, I honestly, I didn't give it a fair listen at all. Mm. Um, Go to the Grammy Awards in 2015. And Daft Punk is performing with Stevie Wonder. Mm -hmm. And they do uh, Get Lucky, right? Yes. And then they do a bridge into another star. Mm. And and I'm like, why haven't I like listened to this? I have this album. Why haven't I listened to this? Track? I don't know. what. It's just because another star. And I'm like, holy cow. And that's my, the song I picked here. Uh, I mean, it's just got the flute work in here. It is. Uh, it's got that Latin beat to it, right? Mm -hmm. And when I realized how great a track this was, I said, I gotta really go back and listen to songs in the key of life, right? Yeah. And, and I'm telling you what, that is his best album. He he and he had a big run of Grammys in the in the 70s. This was the last one that got it. But uh, you know, Sir Duke, uh, as I mean, there's just great, great tracks in here. Uh, and I look at but man, this is you know, to this day, this album is sampled in a lot. I mean, uh, Pastime Paradise, uh um 
you know, it, it, you know, is is you know, that was actually a sampled song itself too. Um, yeah, yeah, because it drew from a Bach. I think it drew from a Bach work or something like that. Uh, and then Coolio does it with like uh, Gangsta's Paradise, right? So, um, yeah, Will Smith uses "I Wish" uh, in in the Wild Wild West, you know, uh, song. So, I mean, this album was so influential. Um, I, 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 you know, like I said, it's a, it's a, there's a, it's a, it's a double album too, but there's only mm. seventeen tracks on. It. So, mm. but you know, but another star, for example, was an eight minute track. And, and you know, I don't remember that song hitting the dance clubs as well, at least when I was going there. So I don't know quite how it um but, but I can see I can see it being a total uh total um what's the word I'm looking for? I can see it being a dance club song is what I'm saying. Mm. Yeah, but this is a great I mean I, I honestly, uh if you have if you listen like I just called to say I love you, uh or um this is, this is Stevie, man. This is this is Stevie yeah. at his best on this album, yeah. I think Stevie Wonder. Well, I think he's underrated, but I also think one of the things with records is you is you might get caught and you listen to singles of his, and you and you may not listen to like whole records. You this know is what I mean? happened with me. I I got this. Like yeah. I said, I picked, this is how you I consume music. It was, I was hearing some of the radio or buying these things on the, on the record, but I wasn't listening to the whole albums, and that was that was my mistake I made, and, and I regret oh. it. You know, Barbie was a different story. Barbie was a ah. one, you know. Yeah. Oh, no, that was great. So I guess final, like, final thoughts. This was great to to go through and look at these and go through the stories of these records. And I guess it like shows too, like, don't you know, if you like singles off a record, you know, give the give the whole thing a listen. Yeah. Um, final thoughts of cigar coop. Where where's your cigar? You still got a lot left. Yeah, this is a slow burner. This is the EP Carrillo uh, Allegiance uh, Sidekick, which is the Rebo- this is a Robusto I'm smoking, right? So it's a slow burner. Um, it's not a complex cigar, okay? Mm. I maybe get four notes off this cigar, right? This is what's okay. amazing about it. I get wood, earth, fruit, and pepper. But guess what? It all works. It just mm. it, it comes together with this thing. It's not the um, – and, and the exception the, – the thing is I'm getting into – this is a cigar I smoked it enough, but I'm not in the final third. This cigar doesn't lose its gas in the final third. It's pretty good, actually, still. Mm. Um, I've not been a fan of these dark Sumatra blends. I got to be honest with you. I tend not to like the darkest, and this is a dark Sumatra, but this is really a good cigar. It's just very straightforward um, cigar. Huh. Not overly complex, but you know what? And the flavors aren't, like, radically good. I mean, I say. They're not radical flavors, but they work in this blend. They work well together, yeah. They really do. It's, it's simple. Wood, earth, root, and pepper. Well, that's the thing. Like, some cigars we love for their complexity. Other ones, it's like if if it's not complex, but you deliver those flavors well. Like, I mean, that's all you can ask for, you know? Yeah. yeah. You know, today I, I reviewed the – I just mentioned that Eden Room Sonata, right? I keep mentioning that one. And it got a 90, which is a good score. And it's one of the most complex cigars I ever had. But what happened in the final third is that complexity started to muddle. Yeah. So, and when muddle, it becomes a little bit of a mishmash. And it probably prevented that from getting a much higher score. But it's still like I was still very satisfied with it. I and mean, it happened towards the end. But yeah. So sometimes complexity could be too much, is what I'm saying, too. Yeah. My I got I'm I'm pretty far down. Um what I like about this cigar is it starts off, it's got a big punch. But it has this like creaminess to it that I really like. 
this this sort of you know like it's got like I said it's got it's punchy but it's got this creaminess that I like that kind of goes throughout the cigar good body and everything I think now near the end a lot of the a lot of the punchiness is gone it's really dialed back yeah that's the kinda, yeah which you're kind of missing that bit of a kick because a lot of Espinosa cigars will deliver you that kick like all the way through um but I still but it's a great cigar. You know, it's not bitter or anything at the end. It's just a lot of those flavors and strength notes that were really working well together are kind of just like way far in the background. Um, but great cigar. Like, I love I love the cigar. Right. Yeah. It's Worth checking a, out if you can. It's kind of like the, what they did with that. Hector was saying it was very similar to what Olmec, right? Yeah. So it was kind of like, and, and Olmec's made it AJ's too. So it's a similar thing. AJ's got San Andreas. Maduro, the darker, but he's got the light of the Claro, which all Mac used. So this was kind of their their take on doing that with Murcielago. Uh, in general, I, I tend to like the darker Maduro's better. I mean, I just yeah. oh yeah, that's just me. Uh, but this was this was good. This was a good that was a good cigar you had. Um, and I agree with you. That's what happened. It loses some steam in the end. And what I'll say about the TAA cigar, I actually think it's more approachable than the regular Murcielago. Murcielago yes. could be too sharp for a lot of people. Yeah. So this one, it's funny because a TAA normally it's the other way around that it's a limited release, so they try to go for something a little more niche. But this I thought was a much more approachable cigar for people from mm. Lago. Um So yeah, it's a good, like I said, good TAA cigar. No, it's a good cigar. Yeah. I hope they. I mean, I don't know if they'll do a regular production sort of version, but that'd be great if they could. I I don't know what the, I I have a feeling they're gonna re-release another size of the TAA next year. Yeah. So, oh yeah. Yeah, I, I'd love to. I mean, try there's enough there's size. enough TAA cigars out there where you can get there. The hardest ones to get are usually Pete's. Pete's are usually, yes. the, but the, this was a, too depending. Yeah, yeah. This was a this was findable. Yeah, same with the Crown yeah, Head. The, the Crown Head is findable. It's a good cigar. Yeah. Um, this gets us into our new music forty five here, Coop. Yeah, Cigar uh, Hustler 45. Cigar Hustler 45, uh, brought to you by Cigar Hustler, uh, located in Deltona, Florida. They have a uh, a great store, um, great selection in that humidor. Uh, if you uh get down there, you'll you, you'll find great customer service, great lounge. It, it, it's it's nice. The humidor has got something for everybody, whether it's um boutique, whether it's some of the classics like Pernomos and Fuentes and. Oh, yeah, they have Postani, which is their brand as well. Mm. Uh, if you cannot get down to Deltona, Florida, go to CigarHustler.com. Get on their email list and go on social media. You'll get all the info on their latest uh, limited releases. And um, they usually go quick. <laughs> so They do go quick. They go quick. So uh, if you see it on the email, you see it in the um, Facebook or Instagram, whatever they do. Get, yeah. My advice is don't, don't dilly-dally. Don't wait now. Yeah, get it. Um, so my song. So side yep, A. Yeah, wait. Yep, and then I'm gonna throw something in when you do the album archaeology because oh, I, I have a comment at the end. Yeah, it's not an album archaeology. It's a comment about an album at the end. I I got a uh, I got a I got a I went I went uh, I went audible and put a new album in there. But um, side A, the Libertines. If you love Brit pop, you know yeah. of the Libertines. Yes. Um. The track I picked, Libertines Run, Run, Run. It's a single out right now. Uh, review is on the site. I love this track, and it's from a band that totally imploded. 
Yes. Due to Pete Doherty's drug use. Oh my goodness. Just imploded. Um <laughs> then they had a bounce back record in 2015. And you're like, okay, well, that's nice. They put out a record, so you know they have another record out there so that you're not left with this taste of a band like, oh, what would have happened if they didn't implode? And you thought that would kind of be it. And then this track came out. I was like, oh, and it's a ton of fun. It's like everything you you want. It's like great Britpop guitar, the lyrics, or the vocal is like that heavy kind of, you know, um, Carl Bratt has that, you know, really heavy sort of English accent that you love and some good Britpop. So, no, it's a very, very solid track. I think there's an album coming out. I can't remember when. This is the lead single off it. But, uh, but yeah, Run, Run, Run. Great track. A lot of fun. Short track. I think it's only like two and a half minutes or something. But but uh, it's quite good. Uh, a lot of fun, good energy. Uh, and Pete's not doing a ton of heroin, so that's good. Yeah. And that helps. So, man, the story of that band falling apart. Do, do, you, do you remember... The and I think we talked about this. Um, Elton John and Pete Doherty at Live Eight. Yes, and that was a train wreck. <laughs> oh well, yeah, <laughs> it, they 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 they're they're doing the cover of uh, Children of the Revolution. Well, Pete's a train wreck. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and he forgets the words. He's staggering on stage. Right, it's like. He's got smudged makeup on, right? And it was, it was, and he blames Elton John for the whole thing. And Elton John's always the guy who loves to embrace the new artists, right? If he, he does, yeah. He, Elton John loves the new artists. He always will embrace new artists, right? Uh huh. So he, you know, and he does this with Pete Doherty. And and I can't remember to say it was it was, despite a train wreck, it was still listenable. Long time, but it was embarrassing. I mean, and like Pete Doherty should be embarrassed by that. Yeah, Pete had some problems. So it's yeah. good to see that they're putting out music again. Cause he, he did not when, age well, by the way. Just no, but when that band fell apart, you're like, there is no way this yep. band is getting back together. Yeah. And then they put out that record in 2015. And you're like, well, that's a surprise. And now they're still putting out music, which I thought, yeah. I mean, I, you'd never see. So that yeah. was. Uh, and side B is a guy called Troy Sivan. Got me started. So yep. the reason I listen to this coop is like this album and this track is popping up on lists everywhere, everywhere. I'm like, well, what's this about? Um, now the whole record doesn't do it for me, but this is a great. It's off the record, something to give each other. Uh, it's he's got a great voice. It's a great uh, club pop hit with a, just an amazing voice. Um, I think it's going to be on a ton of uh, best of lists for the end of the year. And there's a review coming up on the site. It's not up now. Well, it might be up by the time you hear this. But uh, but yeah, Troy Sivan. Um, like I said, the whole record doesn't really catch me, but this song is, is quite good. I think this song is going to pop up on a lot of lists. Interesting. Um, I have to give that one a listen to again. So um, I will. I have heard it's, it. I just it didn't kick me like negatively yeah. or positively. I, I but I gotta listen to it again. It's again. I heard it. I probably didn't listen to it well enough. I mean, it, like I said, the album and the song is coming is, is showing yeah. up a lot on like like Pitchfork, which is a, a a site I go to, which makes developing palettes look like easy. Markers oh yeah, Pitchfork. Pitchfork. When you want music album reviews, you go two places. You go to Cigar Duke Box with Dave, and you go to Pitchfork. <laughs> so it Pitchfork gave this record an eight. 
That's a that's like is, a, that's like Aaron giving something a seven, which is like, which is like territory for like top five album of the year. Yeah. Um, so so I was like, whoa, and so yeah, yeah so it's worth checking out. Yeah. Um, like the one thing about it, which I'll say is, it's very. There's a lot of vocal effects. There's a lot of electro stuff. So if you're not really into that, you might not connect with it. But um, there it is. Yep. Album archaeology. I had uh, originally a Libertines album, but I'm like, forget that. And I said, and I put "Stop Making Sense" by the Talking Heads. Okay. If, so you, know, if you haven't listened to that record, movie's coming out. Have a listen because it's incredible. One of the best live records ever made. Gotta listen to it. Psycho killer burning down the oh, house oh, once in a lifetime. Absolutely, absolutely. It's just a that's a lamb going to talk about landmark albums. Um, that's a landmark album. Oh my goodness, changed that changed the game in a lot of areas. Uh, it's just like different renditions of those songs as well. So you're getting a bit of a different vibe than you'd get off their studio record. So, uh, definitely worth it. Yep. All right, Dave. Take me to the river. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. No, go ahead. You'll finish, and then I got to throw something in here. No, I'm just reminiscing about Talking Heads. Okay. No, it's a great. I mean, we should look at that album too at some point. That's an album we should look at. Ooh. Go ahead, okay. Coop. What's your What's your note? Okay, Dave. Okay, Did you listen yeah. to Hackney Diamonds yet? I I can't get over the cover art. No, I haven't. It's great. That's what I hear. Angry was, a, like Angry was the worst records. track they released. I don't know why they released that, that track. That track is not good. No, but the rest of the album is fantastic. Dave, okay. I'm, I'm shocked. I am shocked how good this album is. It's going to make my list. I'm telling you, it's going to make my list high. I have been... Ooh. Holy cow. And there's just... There's, uh, there's, a, there's a couple of... Uh, there's the... There's a there's Lady Gaga's on there. You have uh, Paul McCartney is on there. Um, Elton John. I did hear that. Yeah. Yeah. There's a couple of Elton John tracks on there. Um, the last track, Rolling Stone Blues, is a they go back to their roots with blues. Okay. 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 Uh, I, I, You've talked me into it, Coop. I'll get I, over I, the cover art. Get over the cover. Uh... Just, just yeah, just put the streaming. I mean, it, 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 Dave, this is I. I am actually wondering. It's not getting the airplay though because it's the Rolling Stones and they're looked at yes. as octogenary. But right? you look at you look at any sort of music site and they are loving this record. Like this, this record's album, getting good critical. I haven't response. heard a Rolling Stones record get this much proclaim in a like year, like maybe thirty years. I haven't heard yep. something like that. And it, and it like I said. Angry was I, I said nice beat, but I said the song. Why do you release that song? I got I got to listen to it because yeah, the lead I, single was so. No, it's the weakest track on. It's at least tied for the weakest one of the two or three weakest tracks. Maybe I think it's the weakest okay. track because everything after that was like really into it. I mean, I was shocked. I will I will make this promise to you is that I will listen to that record before the next show and yep. report. No, that. I'm curious. I'm curious because I'm, I'm gonna do some more. Yeah, because I'm listening to some more and it's not boring me out. Uh, I didn't get happy years with it. So because people are in love with that record, like critics oh. are in love with that, and not well, just. So for everybody out there, yeah, yeah, it's not your normal critic. Like some critics, the 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 Rolling Stones could release a recording of them peeing against the wall. <laughs> Right. And they'll say it's record of the year because they love right. the Rolling Stones. But this is like across a number of different sites from a number of different people. So I got to I got to check it out. I got to have a listen and I will do that. Yeah. I mean, there was a Google rating of four point seven. On it, um... well, the, the Guardian loves it. 
Um, I've seen other I've seen other music people I know love it. So yeah, I gotta uh, check it out. Um, like I said, I literally have only heard this um about for the last week. Um, but I was like, um, yeah. I mean, I was... the Guardian was basically like, you know, in the Order of Rolling Stones albums, like this is like right next to Exile on Main Street and stuff. Yeah, and I'm like, ooh. I don't think Pitchfork loved it from what I saw. I don't think Pitchfork. No, I'd have loved to. It. I haven't looked at their review yet, but, but I mean, it's gotten pretty good widespread acclaim. Yeah, so I got I like. I gotta check it out. I have to. Yeah, I guess I, Pitchfork. I don't think was high on it from what I heard. I haven't read their review yet. Um, but uh, NPR was high on it. Yeah, it was. Uh, I was shocked. I like I said, the shocked. Guardian's high on it. Yeah, I haven't. Yeah. I gotta. I got yeah. that. Yeah, like like we talked about last show that that first single was so like milk toast. I'm like, what is this? Good beat, but the so the weird, but but oh, it was just the, so forced. It was forced, wasn't it? And then when you hear this other song, I'm like, why? Why did they? Uh, Rolling Stone Blues is that they go back to their roots, and it's almost okay. like I almost feel like it's the end. I almost feel like that's gonna be the last. This is their last album, and I think they did it on purpose. And Put you gotta get it better. Yeah, I get a better cover art. What's going on? Oh, uh, I mean, you gotta just, you gotta just say, all right, uh, you know, take the cover art and I won't, I won't look at the cover art, <laughs> uh, because it, it is, uh, it, it's really good. It's uh, uh I was, I was, Dave, I was, it, 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 I'm telling you, it's, it's a very high contender on my list right now. No, I'll have a listen and check it out. You know, I mean, yeah, yeah. I like, I've heard it from too many people to listen to it, so. It's uh, it's going in the rotation. Yeah, next, yeah, yeah. Like I said, that, I'm curious what you think about that blues track at the end too. So okay, yeah, because like I said, I know you're a blues guy, and I'm kind of curious to see how is this kind of back to their roots and saying saying thank you. So uh, and I and personally, I, I got to be honest, it's the theory of the, every artist has one good album. If this if one this album, album left, yeah, I think they should retire after this one. I really do. Um, I don't think they'll top this one again. I mean, unless they come out with something in the '90s, which I doubt. No. Yeah. But the old guys, the old guys do good on this. Yeah, the, okay. I agree. Okay. I, I don't like the album art. I agree with you on that. Yeah. Hey, I'm 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 in. I'll yep. listen. Yep. That's all, right. that's all I got, Coop. That's, that's all it, I got. Man. That's all I got too. So, uh, everyone, stay tuned to our social media for the next show, um, and uh, we'll have our topic uh, when it's going to be available. Uh, Dave, thanks again. This was a lot of fun. I know we went a little longer tonight, but this was really good. Uh, mm. and I enjoyed this. This was a definitely fun show. Uh, thank you to our audience as well. Um, that's gonna wrap up Primetime Jukebox episode 112 into the annals of history for this pre-Halloween edition. We'll see everybody on the B side. Take care, everybody. <laughs>